episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on September the 26th, 2017. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, I I don't even know, the most beautiful distraction in the world, I guess? <laughs> Look, a two-headed monkey, and also caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. We'll have our monthly game club, which is Crossout. We'll discuss our next game club game, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds exec contemplates further action over Fortnite Battle Royale similarities. Warner Brothers backpedals from its charity kerfuffle. We'll have our weekly community corner and our Steam weekly discovery queue. As always, timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. And my god, that was probably the biggest mouthful of topics we've ever had. There's ten, and several of them are many words long. <laughs> also, I made it in one take. Bam. But, Booyah. But to gay? It's fine. <laughs> I wasn't stopping. I just wasn't going to stop. Oh, It'll be fine. You can't stop the uh, Jared? Don't stop me now. I'm having such a good time. Having a ball. You know, I bought a new mic today that... We'll be here Thursday, so starting next week, you'll be able to hear me sing with even crisper and cleaner tones, because this is a real, legitimate, nice, expensive recording microphone, as opposed to my, like, I don't know, cheap Amazon microphone that I've been using, which sounds pretty good, but not as good as it could. Yeah, but clear and crisp tones, what, are you bringing someone else to sing as well? (laughs) Yeah, they came with the mic. I get a I get a trial voice for a while to to use, but I'm gonna have to send that part back because I can't afford the the subscription fees. <laughs> uh, well, don't worry. You just have to uh, pay 2K for uh, all the virtual currency. Oh God, yeah, that one wasn't even on the topics list because we don't understand basketball games enough to know how much people are getting ripped off. Yeah, but we understand that they're getting ripped off, just not how much. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck 2K. Yeah, and the winner of the Fuck You Award already is 2K Games. (laughs) We're off to a good start. There might be a couple of those based on the our pre-show ramblings. Whenever we were talking specifically about the uh, the Player Unknown's Battlegrounds thing, which we'll get to that later. But yeah, if if the games industry comes up uh, or you know keeps this up, we're going to have to make the Gilded Bird Award. (laughs) <laughs> as part of our um rewards show or our award show we can be like in the company that got the biggest fuck you this year <laughs> uh and then jim sterling just burst and says konami and runs off <laughs> if jim sterling wants to burst in here i would <laughs> gladly give it to konami <laughs> yeah but we're not even talking about the recordings uh, for you I <laughs> If he just wants to come in here, I'll be fine. I'll be I'll be fine with that. Oh my. Wink. Well, we're completely off track already. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be one of those nights it seems. Well, I've but, had my coffee, you've had some sleep. Well rested. Uh had a I had a rough weekend, let's say. I'm not going to go into the details. I mean, you know what's going on, but 
I don't I don't really feel like talking about it, but I, I had a very rough last three days. So I went to bed early last night. I had a, a I took it easy at work today. I ate a really big filling dinner. I'm good. And then I had a good BM. The only thing we're going to have to do is stop and take a bathroom break because we sat down to start all of this almost an hour ago. I blame myself. I do. I blame you too this week. It's fine. We were just having a nice friendly chat in one of the yeah, one of the had... Franken episodes. You guys will get to hear it. Most of that's going to be able to go in. So, Yeah, which is uh, kind of the point of just starting the recorder up early. Granted, it's not as good a quality, but... Yeah, you're kind of used to that already, aren't you? It sounds pretty good. Well, I was talking Definitely. about content-wise. Oh, now nah, we make great content. The best content? The best content. with Without the tiniest hands. Oh, my. And it's see-through. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, we're not going to get into that. Go to the Franken episode oh. whenever it comes out. You can hear our entire conversation about that. Yeah, plus your uh, reaction of, what? <laughs> That's probably yeah. the best part. <laughs> yeah, I love it when I just blow your mind like that. <laughs> oh, I love when you blow something. Wink. I need an adult. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, let's, uh, let's start the show, I think. I mean, we did our intro, but we haven't really started the show. Let's start the show. Rage, what games have you been playing this week? Oh, well, let's start off with something I haven't played this week. Okay. The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing 3. Uh, shit's broken, yo. I'm not sure if it was the Windows update, if it was the graphics uh, cards update, or if it was just Van Helsing randomly shedding itself, like some people were saying in the uh, reviews and in the forums, but it broke not not just yo yo little game bug that yo that was impeding progress i mean broke a matter of fact i, I should have done this beforehand but i'm going to uh, start an upload of my last few screenshots and i want you to look at them uh, while i'm chattering away uh, about the game itself they should be uploaded in the next few seconds Okay. And these are all from a few days ago. The game just was completely broken on DirectX 11. DirectX 9, it would work, but it would refuse to latch into my recording software. And OpenGL uh, was giving me a quarter of the frame rate that I was uh, uh, recording at before, so I was getting 20-ish FPS. Okay. Yeah, so slightly unplayable and have, have you found the screenshots yet no did you upload them on steam yeah they're on steam just go to your activity and you should see me just upload three screenshots for the incredible adventures of eight housing three okay here they are it just had i had to refresh this oh <laughs> okay so that one looks like it should be the ocean uh that's the game world it's not rendering any of the game geometry whatsoever that one looks mostly black the mostly black one, the middle one, is the character select screen. And this one is the options menu, but a lot of the options menu is it's just white. Yeah, shit's broken, yo. Very Yes, very broken. Uh, so you can see why I um, uh, discontinued this game. 
<laughs> and I could have probably sat down and figured this out, likely having to revert a Windows update, which is, oh, so much fun to do, but I wasn't particularly enjoying this anyway, so fuck it. So let's talk a little bit about the gameplay before everything with the ship. Okay. This has to be the most lackluster combat I've encountered in an action RPG. Bar none. I was up to, uh, I think, in the low teens on my episodes. And my uh, combat cycle, you know, going in and doing this, 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 and, uh, in actual combat, hadn't changed since episode one. And each one of my episodes is 25 to 30 minutes of gameplay. Okay. It hadn't uh, meaningfully changed since the first half hour of gameplay. And most of that is possibly due to just the class being very powerful that I was playing, but also exceptionally boring as you just summon a bunch of robots and they do all your bidding. And your primary attack has absolutely no weight behind it because it's a laser beam that has no sound effects to it. And the secondary attack is sort of this bullet spray that does a okay amount of damage, but it's very short range and has the accuracy of... Actually, I don't even know something that's this inaccurate. <laughs> that's... Stormtroopers. No, no, this would make a, a stormtrooper look accurate. Wow. Yeah, it's like a 90 degree cone uh, going out to something. And it's not just, you know, you know like Everspray out of uh, Divinity where, you know, it's uh, you know hitting the entire cone. It just sends out a bullet, then sends out another, then sends out another. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> and the thing is, also, uh, my, I wanted to go through this just to see what they were doing with the story, because this was the third chapter of a trilogy. And it feels like they kind of were... Well, it was all stuffing and no meat, if you want to use a Thanksgiving analogy. Okay. Where the first story, it was all about trying to overthrow this mad scientist uh, who is enslaving the people of uh, fuck if I can remember or care. Then, in the power vacuum, after throwing over the scientist, oh, by the way, spoilers, uh, there's a, a general from his old army that rises up to become essentially a dictator, and you have to deal with him. And in this, you also get this partner who uh, is very mysterious and very powerful. And at the end of things, he betrays you. Ooh. And then in the third game, you're off doing random fuck all. And I've even heard from the guy that was supposed to uh, be my nemesis. Who there, There's a very uh, almost sexual tension between, uh, you know, uh, from Van Helsing about wanting to go after this guy. I mean, you could almost see the Raging Ardon under uh, all that armor, you know? <laughs> a, a classic will-they-won't-they they scenario. Oh, uh, they will. It's just, you know, you know, depending on the definition of will. And just because of the lack of focus, the kind of boring, boring, boring gameplay, and the fact that shit's broken, <laughs> I'm going to have to give this a thumbs down. Yeah. You know, I would say a 6 out of 10. <laughs> on the modern review scale. 
that's atrocious, my friend. Uh, exactly. And also kind of a slap in the face on the run on review scale. Indeed. All right. Well, what else you got then? All right. Well, or remember how you missed me being uh, uh, mad about video games and uh, shitting on them? Boy, yeah. this your week. <laughs> okay. We have a niche or niche, a genetic survival game. And this was, uh, I can't say it was provided by Kyle because this was a review copy, but Kyle kind of nudged me as wanting to say, uh, how's this game? Because it looks kind of interesting. It does look neat. I'll give uh, it it's that. rather boring. It's very, very, very slow paced. But also, my biggest problem with this game is just how they handle information. They went over, uh, style over substance. A lot of the information about your fox things is hidden in the genome. And in order to access that, you have to you know, open up their genetic file and be able to look to see, okay, what is this thing doing? Because there is a general overview, but it doesn't tell you everything. Like, for example, for example, in one of my playtests... I recruited, uh, hired, whatever. You know, you give them some uh, food from your stockpile and uh, they join your little tribe thing. Uh, This one little fuzzy fox thing. Because they're all fuzzy fox things. uh, That's the niche, I guess. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm not even sure if they give them a proper species name, but that's probably beside the point. And... I was trying to figure out, okay, why the hell can this guy not move properly? Because he can only move to where my uh, other uh, creatures are. Well, turns out, he was blind. Uh, as a genetic defect, not, you know, just he was old. And it doesn't say that in his overview. I had to go digging around his genome to see, oh, he has the blind eyes trait. Well, that's less than useful. And the only way that I could get him to move was to str- to switch modes. Think of it sort of detective vision. You know, uh, the the world goes all gray, and it, uh, you're going between sight, uh, smell, and hearing. And because he's blind, he has to uh, constantly be switching back to uh, his smell or his hearing in order to move around because, you know, can't see shit. And it made right. it very, very cumbersome. And also... For one, he's kind of a dead weight, but also, you know, my trap was very small at the time. And my primary problem beyond just hiding information is that there's really no time to really figure out, okay, do I want to try to uh, breed him and, you know, maybe work this trait out on on uh, further generations or, uh, you know, just uh, deal with it because of lifespans. Now, this is a science game, so, you know, having uh, limited lifespans on all your units is kind of an expected thing. But all the lifespans are 30 days, which turns into 30 turns, because this is a turn-based hex, uh, uh, games, uh, hex, hexagonal survival game. Think sort of you, uh, throw a sieve into a survival game almost. Okay. And it makes your, trying to do really anything, especially in the early game, but, yo, know, uh, even mid-game, it's going to be tedious to even uh, try to, uh, to deal with beyond just having a select core of breeders, which 
doesn't seem like a good idea for genetic diversity. Uh, it makes it so that you're having to focus. Okay, these two are going to be fucking the entire time. Oh, sorry, baiting <laughs> the entire time. And the entire tribe is going to be their offspring. And then we're going to have to try to recruit someone and hope that the luck of the draw makes it so that they are decent enough that we could uh, you know, get them to bang for the next generation. And it, uh, that, it adds a sense of urgency, yes, but it also you know, really takes away a lot of the strategic element because you, know, you have such a limited time and all the creatures have a limited number of moves naturally because it is a turn-based game and depending on their genetic makeup, it could go from one action a turn, which includes moving, by the way, to three actions. Damn. So it makes it incredibly tedious. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Your only action is to move for a turn. Yeah, I had one creature that its only action was able to move, then it could dig up uh, uh, fruit. And so, yeah, uh, guess who's not getting uh, fucked this uh, uh, generation? <laughs> that guy. Or girl. Could be a girl. And also, it, the, there's probably my most nitpicky thing I've ever uh, uh, going to say about a game is just the way all the characters looked. As in, not you know, uh, art style or anything, but all the creatures are sitting there and they're constantly looking towards the cursor. And you move the cursor, all the heads swivel. And it's just creepy. Yeah, that would be, like, funny for five minutes, and then afterwards it would be... On top of that, yeah. um, uh, these uh, creatures could turn their heads in ways that owls would only dream of. As in, you circle a creature and it follows it all the way around like the exorcist. I was expecting at one point its head just to pop off. Nice. And it's just so creepy. Very, very nitpicky, but... Uh, it, if you're able to sit with this game and get past its information, for one, hiding information, but two, not really telling you what is pertinent, because there's some things that uh, it talks about the the pattern of the fur. It says helps with camouflage. Well, that's great. Um, how does it help with camouflage? Oh, you're not going to tell me that. Well, it it, it helps. It, hel it, it helps with camouflage. Well, yeah, but how does it help? No, 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 no. It helps with camouflage. You're, you're not helping with it. No, no, it helps with camouflage. Yeah. And it probably doesn't help with camouflage or otherwise. That the tutorial is pretty much your very basic, okay, this is how the camera moves. This is how you move your characters. Oh, yeah, there is a different uh, uh, modes for, you know, uh, looking with your eyes, uh, smelling with your nose, or hearing with your ears. And be sure not to uh, mix those twos, because that's a genetic defect. <laughs> Actually, I wonder if that is, uh, isn't the game, because there is you know, a, uh, uh, a defect with the brain where you would be able to like taste sounds and that sort of thing. No, no, I'm not joking. That That is a thing. <laughs> it tastes sounds. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, I'm not making that up. There, there is a thing where uh, brain trauma could cause your senses to become essentially, you know, cross the wires. Yeah, I've I've seen that before, but just hearing you say "taste sounds" made me laugh. Yeah, this tastes like a bullfrog sounds. 
<laughs> this tastes like a siren. <laughs> oh. Yeah, if you want to sit with this game, it's yeah, probably not bad. It's just oh, it it's very slow. It's and it also really encourages you to just throw animals together and try to really just what the best that you you have or think you have to hope that things work out. Maybe if they had it where the lifespans were also a, ge- uh, a gene, because guess what? They're not. Everything is 30 days. On the clock. Well, I shouldn't say on the clock, because also, and this is something else that's kind of odd, is that damage that your character takes, or your characters, or whatever, little fox fuckers. Actually, that's kind of a literal sense as well, now that I think about it. Damage that they take could also shorten their lifespan. <laughs> so your hunters may have a lifespan of 20 days, maybe 15, if they're uh, uh, in a place where they're taking a lot of damage and they're having to get healed up. So you can see why I'm a little not impressed. Yeah, that doesn't sound so great. I mean, it's a good concept. It's just not handled all that well. Speaking of good concepts and not handled all that well, let's move on to Super Panty Pants Adventure. Okay. Didn't fancy this one. Yes, I'm being very negative this week. Was it pants? No, what was pants was the content. As the Brits say. Uh, Well, in both sense of the words. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say I didn't like this one, because I actually really, really like this game. It's just, it has a two-hour story or campaign or whatever two hours for a ten dollar platformer that is short yeah there should have been super fancy shorts adventure and yes i made that joke in the franken episode if it's uh, still there yep not as funny the second time oh don't worry i I, I was uh thinking the same thing as you so it wasn't that funny this first time i hope uh, but yeah, that's my main complaint about it because otherwise it's a very good platformer. It's just there's not a lot there. And boy, did I get ring for uh, pointing that on my review. <laughs> People do not like the fact that I didn't like their uh, beloved game. Granted, this is uh, probably about the fifth or sixth game in the series, accounting the original Flash games that were released in the bed knots. Or whatever you call the double O's, uh, you know, 2000s or whatever. So, uh, uh, I guess people that are going to this are expecting, you know, oh, this is going to be a very short game, but it's going to be fun. Well, yeah, but the indie platformer scene is very, very overrun with platformers these days. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not like 2006 when this first came out where you had this Mario and you know, your few other mainstream platformers because back then, platformers were kind of a rare breed. It, well, I shouldn't say a rare breed, but, you know, it was the uh, big names and that was about it. You didn't really have the ending scene that you did these days. So there wasn't much competition. But now, you know, I could, I would say, you know, even just... Now I'm completely blanking on name. There's a uh, game that has a very similar movement system that uh, it's no Janders. Idea. 
It's what? It's a bunch of janitors. Uh, and I'm looking at my pos- at my indie uh, at, at my platformer section, and that's a very long list. <laughs> yeah, I can't really help there because platformers are not my thing. They're they're one of the things that are not my thing. Yeah, it turns out platformers and clan. Yeah, and I'm. I, I the, the name is on the tip of my tongue, but I just cannot think of it, which is irritating. Don't you hate it when that happens? Yes, I do. That happens to me plenty. What things be on the tip of your tongue? Yeah, they are. But that's it's really there's not a lot to talk about this because it is a very good platformer, but. There's just so little there that it's hard to really even think about recommending it outside of fans of the genre because, damn, I, I, I played for 45 minutes before my video and I beat two bosses. Well, that is pretty, pretty far. That's a lot of stuff to beat in well, 45 minutes, I feel like. Yeah, it, well, it's not the game that I was thinking of, but speedrunners would also be a good... Uh, kind of analog to this yeah a very fast uh uh, platforming but also uh, easy if you take it slow but if you spend a lot of time with it you're able to get some really satisfying uh, movement uh, and a lot of neat combos and different uh, jumps and uh, tricks that sort of thing dust force that's what i was thinking of dust force okay you have no idea what the hell Dust Force is, do you? Not a clue. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Dust Force also has sort of the similar feel. And those are two games that have a hell of a lot more content than this. <laughs> oh, I-, I was really disappointed by this because I saw everyone talking about how much they loved it, and then I didn't read the yeah the reviews or the con- or the forums until afterwards. I just saw yeah I went to the Steam page and saw oh very uh, positive one. Well, yeah, this looks fun. I got a review copy of this. Let's try it out. Especially after spending a couple hours trying to get my head around uh, niche and you know, figure out what the hell. <laughs> you know, just something quick to be able to uh, knock out. And turns out, boy, was I right on that one. Very quick. <laughs> All right. All right. And last one on my list is the Blackwell Legacy. This... Uh, I originally got this to do on my channel, but it just doesn't play well with really any recording software. So I decided to play it on my, on my own. And it's a, a very short game. It's only a couple hours. And it's the first of five games uh, that have a interlocking story. The The Blackwell Legacy, it, well, it's a... I, I don't want to call it a detective game. Maybe out of spite because the main uh, character is a... Uh, a writer, but she is haunted by the ghost of... I, I guess you'd call him a detective, but it's also... He, he acts more like a uh, 1940s, 1950s mobster. Uh, first thought on this game, if they were still making these games, I would make a donation to them of a pop filter. <laughs> okay. Especially towards the end of the game, because I beat the uh, Blackwall Legacy in probably about two and a half, three hours. I have 4.4 hours played, but that's also, you know, trying to get recording software to play what nice with it. So that's not indicative of how long I actually played it. There were sections of the game where it was hard to understand what a couple of the characters were saying, because 
they do not invest in the uh, magic of the pop filter. So you had those hard P's, those hard D's, those hard B's. Right. And it makes you wonder just how the hell anyone uh, missed that. And and that's a real shame because outside of that, the the voice acting's not bad. It's not. It's definitely not the worst, but it's not amazing as some people were talking about. But then again, it did originally come out in 2006. So, yeah, maybe it's good by 2006 standards. <laughs> and maybe I'm not, so. I'm not really uh, you know, comparing it to the day and age. It is also very hard to get all, uh, running well on a modern system. I had to actually go in to a separate configuration tool and tell it to uh, run in windowed mode because it does not run in full screen in Windows 10. It blacks out. Can you do borderless window? Uh, full it, screen borderless window? No, that's uh, no, that's way too high tech for uh, this older game. Ah, I see. I feel like some old games had that, though. Uh, I, I was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. It's not I a bad game. It, 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 it's, it has the sort of the Got you moments that some of the older point click games have, and I hope as I go through the series, because that's my intention on the next probably month or a uh, half or so, uh, to go through the Blackwell uh, series to just see you know, what the overarching story is. Because the first uh, part is more of an introduction to the characters, and it's not a great introduction whenever uh, the the protagonist uh, Rosa Blackwell uh, a a uh, writer for a small uh, independent newspaper is being kind of pushed around by a teenage uh, hoodlum. Not exactly, not exactly, hoodlum. yeah, hoodlum. Not, nice. not exactly a strong start, especially when he's acting as the doorman of the apartment, but he doesn't know her and she doesn't know who the hell anyone is, even though she's lived there for five years. It's not. Like I said, not a great start, but I'm hoping that the later ones of this series are better. And it's also a very cheap game. I mean, it's five bucks normally, and usually whenever the bundle goes on sale, it's you know, sub ten. So it's you know it's worth it if you don't mind the older style of uh, pl- point and click. Yeah, you know, it's definitely not a Telltale game. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because yes, of the old okay. I mean, even the newer Telltale games that were, or, or that well, I should say, newer uh, point-and-click uh, style, uh, they were still very straightforward. There was a couple times that I had to look up what the hell, because I knew what I needed to do. It's just I wasn't thinking the way that the game developer was to get the, my character to do it. Uh, for example, uh, I would say approximately halfway through, there, it was obvious that my ghost companion, uh, Joey. Wait for a laugh, because ghost Joey. No, okay. No, sorry. No laughs. Uh, don't worry, I'm used to it. Uh, my companion was supposed to make some sort of distraction. But, because I didn't ask him to show me his ghostly powers in my apartment, I didn't, uh, my character didn't know that yeah, well, he's able to uh, make a distraction, even though you know, it would be obvious. Yeah, you know, well, well, do some sort of distraction, you know. And there was a couple of times, you know, uh, there was well, there was one time where you left a place and you had to immediately go back uh, because time changed. Okay. Uh, just very kind of 
older point and click style design, which I'm not sure if it's you know, if it's just old school or if it's just that the point and click genre has kind of moved on. Well, do we even consider the newer Telltale games point and click or more interactive adventure nowadays? Um, because Telltale's really gone to a, a very quick time event sort of thing, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um, I mean, I think of the old ones as point and clicks, but... Yeah, but I'm talking about, like, post-Walking Dead, I think would be a good cut-off. Uh, I don't think... I don't. They don't feel like point and clicks. Maybe if you change the definition or, say, like, modern point and click, but really, I don't think so. I think they're more just adventure story, adventure games, quick-time event games. I don't know the best way to say it, but... I mean, they're definitely not point clicks. Yeah, which is a kind of a disappointment whenever Telltale kind of made the revolution of point and clicks, or I shouldn't say revolution, but kind of brought uh, point and clicks back to the forefront and then turned into sort of a license bill. Very disappointing. Sad. Indeed. Very sad. <laughs> uh, okay. I, yeah, cool. I think I'm done here. All right. Awesome. Yeah, well, I have... Yeah, my games were... Oh, well, one was exceptionally short. Yeah. I I have quite a few games to cover. I have seven, to be exact. And I'm going to start with my two mobile games, both of which are racing games. The first one is called Skid Storm. Uh, and you this is going to get another pair of underwear for that? hi <laughs> Joke's on you. I'm not wearing underwear right now. But... Oh, I've been foiled. <laughs> and blonded. <laughs> Anyways, uh, this is an early access mobile game, but it is incredibly fun. Uh, it's basically arcade drifting from a top-down view. Uh, there's a whole bunch of cars that you can unlock as you level up. Um, it And there's... How many different tracks are there? There's like 25 or 26 different tracks that vary in length and difficulty. It's it's super arcadey in the sense that like you there's shortcuts everywhere on most of the longer tracks and you build up turbo boost as you drift successfully around corners that you can use to you know pass other drivers. It's got a really long single player uh, career mode. It's I think it's 32 races that you can do. Um, and then you get ranked on them, like, you know, the traditional, like, three stars. Like, basically, if you win the race, you get three stars, and then beyond that, you can go back and re redo the races with better cars and beat, like, ghost times. And if you beat the top ghost time, then you get three crowns. Um, Spooky. You get rewards. You get rewards for each level that you that you get. So the maximum rewards is to win the race and beat the top ghost time, which gives you three base rewards and then three premium currency rewards which would be 15 diamonds which are the premium currency because you know mobile game free to play of course there's a premium currency um and then it also has a uh multiplayer racing mode that is pretty good uh games are pretty quick on average you can get a game in 15 20 seconds um the races last two minutes tops the the skill of players varies wildly as it does in these games that whenever you do single race either in the career mode or just in the single race to grind out some rewards 
the AI has is pretty consistent in their difficulty, but I mean players are all over the place. So in general, I tend to find myself being one of the bigger, better players in the matches, and I'm not sure if that's just because like I'm just getting lucky and getting matched with shitty people because I'm using the lower level cars, or if I'm actually just better than the people that are playing it right now. Maybe like all the good people have gotten to the higher tiers in the multiplayer because I'm in bronze two. Uh, I have no idea how many different tiers that there are, but it took me a while to get there. So it's it's a really fun multiplayer game that I've put a fair amount of time in. Um, I mean, you can totally sit down and play it as like a, a toilet game for four or five minutes at a time, uh, or you can just play it sitting on the chair. It does not restrict you. It doesn't do that thing where it's like, oh, you can only open so many of your rewards chests at a time. Like you can just open as many as you want. You have five instant opens uh, that regenerate every few minutes. And then once you use up all of your keys to instantly open rewards chest from the multiplayer mode, you can just watch an ad to get a couple more like instant opens. So the single player stuff, there you don't have to spend like anything or use any time like those. You can just get immediately. Uh, the only thing that I really don't like about it is that you can't just outright buy a car... Each car is made up of several different parts, which you can upgrade to in- increase the performance of your car. But in order to unlock a car, you have to get all of the parts of the car, a la loot box style. Uh, you get the first four cars by playing the career mode. Uh, so they're all kind of like, there's one that's like really fast, and there's one that's really good off-road, there's one that's really good on-road, and there's one that's like a jack-of-all-trades car. So you get a decent amount of variety right there, and I'm like the multiplayer rankings. I think that it's one of those things that like evens out, and then you won't be racing against people who have the best cars unless you've either bought a shit ton of premium currency to unlock them, or have just like worked your way into them. But it level gates all that stuff. I'm level five right now, and the like top car, like the highest level right now, is level twenty nine which has, like, the best car in the game at that level, so... Or I wouldn't say the best car at the game, because even at that level, it's, like... The cars definitely vary wildly on their stats, you know? Like I said, there's cars that are good on-road, there's cars that are good off-road, because all of the... Most of the tracks are sort of rallycross-style, so you have on-road sections, you have off-road sections, you have jumps. A lot of the shortcuts are off-road. So, it's a fun... It's a fun multiplayer game that I enjoy playing. My kid likes to, to watch me play it. He's terrible at it, but he thinks it's fun anyways. The soundtrack's pretty good, too. It's just a nice rock soundtrack that sounds good and doesn't get overbearing, despite the fact that there's only, like, two songs. It might just be that I don't play this game for more than, like, five or ten minutes at a time. But found it uh, this weekend, and I'm glad I did. Because I spent a lot of time playing mobile games this weekend as opposed to other games. But it's fun. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be able to tell that from your list. <laughs> yeah, well, I had... I mean, a lot of these games I played on my laptop, too. That helps. Uh, the next game that I played, though, is simply called Turn-Based Racing. This is another mobile game. Yeah, and it developed... looks like it's exactly what it seemed, uh, says on the tin. It is. It is. It's a really interesting way to do a racing game, and it's turn-based. So uh, you are in control of your car, and you have this little like area that you put you know you you drag your thumb around in to determine 
the way that your car is going to drive. So if you drag it all the way to the end, your car is accelerating. You can move it left or right for your car to turn. And you have a line on screen that shows you where your car is going to go. And green, the green is where your car is going to go during that turn. The yellow is your trajectory if you just like drove straight for your next turn. And then it turns red if it indicates that you're going to crash into something. Because the tr- like once you get off of the track, it just becomes like immediate crash. Like if you even clip like the bollards or something for a turn, it counts you. It counts it as like you've crashed into a wall or something, which that can be frustrating. Because if you want to hug the the apex of a corner, if you hug it just a little too closely, then you're gonna crash your car into the invisible wall. So that sucks. But it has a pretty good grasp of real world car physics. I mean, oversteer and understeer are a thing. If it's much more efficient to brake or accelerate in a straight line versus doing so in a corner, you can't just chuck your car into a tight turn at 100 miles an hour arcade style and expect to be fine well at least with that attitude each turn lasts for about two seconds um two to three seconds it's like somewhere in there it's it it doesn't vary it's just uh, it might be exactly two seconds and it feels like just a little bit longer um the only time that it takes longer than that is if you crash and then five seconds pass if you crash before you can do another action and every time you crash, it just immediately stops your car. So there's no, like, bouncing off of a wall. There's no, like, slow down because you went outside of the course. It just immediately stops. No squeeching your corpse off the track? No. None of that. Uh, there's also a variety of cars that you can unlock and upgrade. You earn currency. It, it's just a single currency, and then you can spend money to buy the single currency to unlock cars. But everything's level-gated, so... You know, if you spend a ton of money, you can't just like buy a top tier car and blow through the the single player or blow through the all the races. And it, at least at this point, it's single player only, which I mean makes sense. I feel like this would be difficult to do to sync up with everyone, unless it's like everyone. It's like an asynchronous thing, where that everyone puts in their the their time, and then when it's over, you can like a notification on your phone or something. It's like, all right, here's the race results. It's got a replay mode where you can watch the race in real time, which is pretty neat. And then if you string your turns together fast enough, it basically plays out in real time. But that's really difficult to do. That only happens occasionally if you're just like got a big straight and you're like, okay, I'm accelerate, 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 accelerate. And you can watch those few turns happen in, in then, real time. Oh, crap. I accelerated too much. Break, 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 break. It lets you undo two moves at a time. So if you, uh, if you crash... It's like, well, maybe I could do something a little bit differently and avoid the crash. But usually, two moves is not enough to undo your crash. You need, like, three or four because you accelerated for one turn too many or, like, a couple of... Like, you set yourself up to corner improperly and you can't go back far enough to to fix that. It's it's a good game. It, it It's nice. It, it lets you take your time to think about how you want to... How you want to race and what you want to do and how you want to go about it. So, I mean, if you're looking for, like, a a more, I don't know, traditional or, like, actual racing experience, this is not that. But I just, I found the concept fascinating, like a turn-based racing game. Like, uh, remember the board game that we played that was, like, the Formula One board game? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, it gives me a lot of vibes around that. Like, someone saw that and was like, I'd like to make a video game out of that. And this is what they came up with. This looks a lot more interesting than that, mostly because I, I had trouble with that just because it felt very very random with no real 
ability to change things. Yeah. Yeah, there's no dice rolls or anything like that. You can't, like, there's not, not even contact with the other cars. Like, you just pass through each other. Yeah, typically, like, whenever there's a very dice-oriented game, there's usually some sort of mechanic to be able to alter the dice. So it's not just a pure random luck uh, thing. And uh, uh, the board game, at least with how we played it, uh, didn't have that. Maybe there was a rule that we were uh, not messing with or uh, yeah. Or it just is a law of averages and longer races does kind of average things out. But the thing is also, that was a very, very long lap that we did. Yeah, if I remember correctly, there was an advanced rule set that we didn't use that involved like you being able to spend tokens. Basically, it's like you're that you're pushing your car or whatever, and that allows you to kind of cancel out some of those bad dice rolls. But we didn't do any of that because it was like you had to keep track of all the parts on your car and everything, and it was super finicky. Like that was one of the points where that like playing tabletop simulator is, is finicky with uh, a keyboard and mouse because you're doing it with your hands. That would be just much easier to, to work. Yeah. yeah, maybe if there was a better system in the game itself or with well, with the uh, tabletop simulator version of it to be able to handle everything, all the little tokens and everything. Yeah. I'm going to edit my list just a teeny tiny pit just to keep the uh, the car racing theme going. Oh, we're Next still going to go for him? Yeah, we're still going to go for him. The next game I want to talk about is Motorsport Manager. This is an uh, F1, <laughs> well, the base game is a, a Formula One uh, racing team manager game. So you're in control of your the research for your vehicle and um, managing your drivers and sponsors and overall race control, like, you know, telling your your drivers like when to pit and what tires to use and setting up the cars like all of the technical behind the scenes stuff and then the races itself you get to watch them play out but you don't have direct control over your drivers and that's screen can... the screen uh, as your driver does something incredibly stupid uh my drivers are decent but i mean i'm still learning how to play the game so basically i picked the shittiest team like it's got a, an extremely dynamic range of difficulty uh, based on which team you pick to start the game with. So if you pick, like, the number one top team, that's great. You get the best sponsorships and the most money, but basically you have to win or nearly win, like, every race. Otherwise, you'll get fired for, as team manager. And then if you pick the shitty team, they're like, hey, you showed up. Good job, buddy. We're going to we're gonna give you a promotion because I've lost the, the two races I've done so far. I got... Uh, so you have a, a driving team. You have two drivers. Mm-hmm. In both races, I got 18th and 19th place. So I didn't quite get last. But in the first race, that's because one guy blew his car up, or he blew his engine up. And in the second race, uh, a driver stayed out too long, and he blew all of his tires. So technically, I I didn't get last by default. But, like, my team is, like, super happy with me. Like, hey, you didn't get last. That's great. And my approval rating is, like, 90% as team manager. It's not just the fact that you didn't get last. We actually finished a race. <laughs> we finished the race. We did better than that guy. So, uh, again, as a rate, like, it is definitely a racing game. But if it's more for the not driving the cars, just the technical aspect and, and behind it. And it's really deep and really in-depth. You can customize your cars a ton. Uh, you can pick 
you, you can research and develop different parts for your cars and and basically build parts over and over again until you get the best um like as your your crew gains knowledge you get the best parts and put them on your car and then do maintenance on them so that they stay high quality and you can really tweak your car setup in a lot of different ways like tire pressure downforce camber and caster on your wheels uh gearing like all kinds of stuff you can build research facilities at like your team compound to give you even more options to do that stuff and also increase like the knowledge of parts that you're researching so that they're higher quality uh you can develop your car so that it based so that it's cheating and you're breaking the rules and you can try and hide it so that if your car gets inspected you don't they, like it reduces your chances of being caught cheating or you can choose just like to not cheat and then never worry about that there's a lot of stuff that you can do in depth on this game yeah i imagine it, one of the first researches for the re- really crappy teams is round wheels <laughs> round wheels nope nope actually that's the only thing that my cars are good at is i've like they're they're built in such a way that i could get an extra like two or three laps out of every set of tires so that's that's good um the biggest issue i have with the game honestly is that when you pit you can't refuel your car you're given an amount of fuel at the start of the race Uh, is it f1 yeah that's how they are no that no you can refuel f1 cars the the rule is the rule is is that you have to start the race with the same amount of fuel you used for qualifying in the real world in the game it doesn't make you do that but you're only given a certain amount of fuel and it's like this is the fuel you get for the whole race and you have to manage your fuel consumption by using different driving styles which really sucks because i'd love to just be able to set a driver to aggressive and like suffer the consequences of having to pit more because i use more fuel but whenever I set my better driver to an aggressive driving style, he does all right. I mean, he made it to 12th place in the last race when I had him set to aggressive. But then I was like, I'm going to run out of fuel if I don't if I don't dial back his driving style. And then when uh, that happened, he started getting see. passed. From 2010, refueling is no longer permitted during the race for F1 cars. Every car starts with a fuel load. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Okay. So... Well, uh, there goes that one uh, objection. That is, it's still an objection. I hate that. But okay, I didn't well, realize that that was well, a thing. I believe they had some rather bad accidents with refueling, and that's why they, they did, did that. They did, yeah. I have there's several videos online of like fuel fires that have started, and because of the type of fuel that they use, like it burns so hot, there's no flame. Yeah, it's or, crazy. or it's, uh, it's purely invisible, and it's just. Uh, you see yeah. people uh, dancing around, and uh, you, know, you would think it would be funny until you realize, oh, that guy's burning to death. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. There's also GT car racing, and I think that's DLC. Uh, yeah, the GT series. I don't know if there's refueling or not allowed in the GT series, but I haven't. I don't have that DLC, so I can't tell you. But I want the GT series. I prefer GT racing to Formula One racing, but as far as like driver and racing management games go... This is about the only one out there. There's a couple others, but this is the best one that I've played, so. Yeah, I'm just seeing if... I'm not seeing anything about GT cars not refueling, so... Uh, They most likely have that. You can also create your own team, which I have not done that yet. I just picked one of the pre-made teams while I was learning. 
the tutorial is kind of a play as you go thing and it really fucks you over for the first race because it has you do a bunch of stuff that basically wastes time and and makes at least one of your drivers wind up in in 19th place but i mean you know it's teaching how to play it's also got this nifty feature that is like a you can change between 2d and 3d mode that way you can play this game on a shitty computer in 2d mode uh it it is pretty pretty graphics intense and is eating up a lot of a lot of processing and gpu power so i'm not sure how or why i i assume it's just because there's so much stuff going on because it's keeping track of well, all these well, different it's vehicles on the more sim side of things so i imagine that it's just keeping track of a lot of things yeah yeah that's that's my guess so but I, I mean, overall, it's a really good game. The the biggest complaints that I have with it, like I said, which I didn't know that was a rule. So I mean, it's trying to be a sim. So that makes All sense to me. Why now. I know that uh, that's a rule is that uh, I've watched uh, a couple people play the F one series or F one uh, driving games. Yeah, and they were commenting about uh, the, their fuel load and having to be, uh, make the entire race. Yeah, yeah, you have to do that part of when you set up your car for the race is you do set up a fuel load and I always just choose maximum fuel. Well, now, uh, well, uh, one of the things is that, uh, at least in uh, the, uh, F1 series, uh, which I imagine it's going to be in this as well, is changing the fuel mixture to be able to run richer lean to either stretch out your fuel. If you have too little, or you're trying to make it last, I should say, uh, and, uh, turning it uh, up the mixture to be able to get more power. Yeah, you can. You actually can do that in this game. You have different engine, uh, like computer configurations that you can choose for your cars on the fly, uh, and then you have different driving styles, and both of which affect fuel consumption and tire wear. Yeah, and ideally, you'd actually want to be crossing the finish line with about fumes in the tank. That way, you're not carrying around a bunch of extra weight. Yeah, because you can you can do weight stripping on your cars before a race too, which affects fuel consumption and speed. But it you, makes you look your at cars... your driver and it's like, do you really need that pick up breakfast? <laughs> um, but doing weight stripping on your car reduces its um, its reliability. So basically, right now I'm just going full reliable and uh, just finishing races because that's enough to keep everyone happy. Yay, we finished another race! But everything is broken down, and each race has three parts. You have, like, a a pre... Well, I guess there's four parts. There's when you are in between racing events, and you're actually at your race, I don't know, facility, and it allows you to set research and train your drivers and renew contracts. God, there's so many fucking contracts you have to renew. You can get, like, lead mechanics and your drivers and support staff and just on and on and on. There's like a big list and I have like 40 contracts that I have to keep up with. Uh, And when you start the game, everyone's on like a two-year contract, so you don't have to worry about it right at the beginning. But eventually I'm going to have to deal with these all these contracts. So it's, I mean, if you want a sim, like a racing team simulation game, this is it. It's great. But yeah, you've got, you've got that. Then you've got, um, like a practice, uh, so each event is broken down into three stages. There's a practice stage where you can run different, like, um, it's like 30 minutes of real time where you can just run laps and you can do different configurations on your cars and you can figure out what the best setup is for the track. 
and your drivers and your crew chief and everybody reports like, oh, I think the car's set up pretty good for this, or nah, you probably should change this or that. Shit's broken, and then, yo. And then you get bonuses that you can, they're, they're called like knowledge boosts that you can give to your drivers, which helps them out during the race. Um, then there's a qualifying round, which is just, uh, I think each of your drivers can run three qualifying laps. And then that determines their placement on the race or on the start grid. And then there's the actual race. And races, if you play them in normal time, take 30 to 45 minutes to play out. You can uh, run them at double or quadruple speed. But that makes it a little bit more difficult to pay attention to what your drivers are telling you. Because during the race, they'll pop up notifications and be like, hey, something's not right. My car doesn't feel right. Then you can go check what the readouts are on your car and be like, oh, you should probably pit. Maybe we need to fix this. Or um, they'll be like, hey, my tires seem to be weighing faster for some reason. And you might have like bad tires. And so you should bring them in and change the tires faster rather than leaving them out. It's super in-depth. I love it. Love it a lot. Great game. Need to buy the GT car uh, You just want it so you could refuel. That would help. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to refuel. So yeah, that's uh, that's the last of the car games. Yeah, you should have saved those three for uh, the last year list, then we could have moved on to another car game. But no, <laughs> nope. Uh, so now we're gonna move on to the sci-fi portion of my games. First up, XCOM Enemy Unknown. So I, I said that I wanted to go back and play the first one just to see how different that the XCOM one is from XCOM two, and they are vastly different games. But in some ways, I like Enemy Unknown better than XCOM 2. Um, I prefer the base building mechanics that are in Enemy Unknown versus the base building mechanics from XCOM 2. I like the fighters where you have fighter craft to shoot down UFOs. I miss that. That was fun. And I'm using the Long War mod for XCOM Enemy Unknown as well. And that adds uh, experience levels to your fighters and you can have more and customize them a little bit more in depth. So I, I miss the fighters. Um... And I do miss the way that it that um, Enemy Unknown displays your soldiers as you're actually commanding them during missions. It's got a little bit clearer readout of what cover is where. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's just like the color contrast or what. But I like that better. It's, it's easier to understand. But in every other way, XCOM 2 is an improvement over XCOM 1. Um, beyond just graphics and uh, voice work, those are better. There's more story in XCOM 2. Uh, the the UI for XCOM is terrible. Like, it's it's functional. I, I shouldn't say terrible. It's, you know, a product of a game that was made, what, six or seven years ago? It's just like design has come, you know, has advanced since then. And this is just older, an older design UI. It's a lot clunkier. Stuff is more difficult to get to. Like, all of your shot percentages and your critical chance and everything, like, that's all behind another menu you have to click through to, to see, like, how it all breaks down, whereas XCOM 2 just has it all displayed for you. The fonts are a little weird. There's nothing you can do to organize your soldiers when you're in your base, which can make it really frustrating to scroll through and be like, okay, I'm looking for this type of troop or I'm looking for soldiers with this much health or this experience level. Like I have no idea how it organizes your soldiers. Maybe alpha maybe alphabetically, but that's not useful. Because I don't care what the randos names are. I want to know like what their stats are and stuff. And there's no way to sort an enemy unknown. 
But, I mean, it's not a bad game. It's a, a really good game. And it runs on my laptop. So I play that some at work or when I'm sitting in my recliner and my PC is turned off in the office. And I don't want to get up and come in here and turn it on. So, I mean, I, I don't really have very much else to say about it. It's XCOM, and I've talked a ton about XCOM, but just... Really? It's still a good game that holds up pretty well. It's got, you know, some stuff that obviously the second one has improved upon, but it's still a really solid game. And if, you know, it ever comes up on sale and you're looking for it and XCOM 2 is just too expensive, I'd buy it. Even without the Long War mod, it's still a great game, but the Long War mod definitely improves it a lot. Or if you're interested in XCOM 2, uh, buy this, uh, fail once, and then uh, there's your uh, canon start for XCOM 2. Yep, there's your canon ending. There you go. Um, next on my list is Planet Nomads. This is a... Well, this was a game I got from Keymailer. And this is, I mean, a, a survival crafting game. Um, basically, it's space engineers. If you had to eat and drink and sleep... And also if the controls were worse, and also if the game ran more poorly than Space Engineers did. That's actually surprising on that last part. It's it's a lot earlier in development than Space Engineers is, so I'm hoping that if they have as much time as Space Engineers has had, which is a couple of years, if they have that much time to continue developing the game, it shows promise. It does some things right that I really enjoy, um, especially compared to Space Engineers. It's a lot more focused... It has a, some story elements built in where Space Engineers is just, you know, sort of a, a Minecraft-esque, like, hey, here's a world, play in it. Although Minecraft has a story now, and I'm not just talking about Minecraft story mode. There are story and lore elements to Minecraft. But um, Planet Nomads has got some story elements to it, so you always have a focused goal. You very quickly can build your first base and get access to all of, like, the sort of Tier 1 technology it's got a really nice aesthetic that I like, um, but just about everything else is like, well, other games have done this better. And like I said, I, I think it just needs some more time in development. Where this game shines the most is definitely its aesthetic, um, but it runs piss poor. And it's got this weird thing where you can't change uh, any of the options once you start playing. Ugh. So. So it like by default it was like oh we default have set your game on the highest setting and I was like that's great and I start playing and it's like thirty FPS at at best I'm like this is terrible let me go change the graphics options but you can't do that inside so I had to go back to the main menu and then mess with stuff and then launch the game and check it out and go back. Looks like they're focusing on single player. Yeah, not sure. Yeah. If, not sure about that because it's strange to see a sandbox survival game that's single player only do well yeah that's i mean i prefer that i like that i never play with other people anyways but um i am worried that it won't get the support and development time that it needs it's it's where space engineers was probably a year ago um, and I can say that because after this, I was like, I really want to go play Space Engineers. So I went and played Space Engineers. But it's it's about where Space Engineers was a year ago. Speaking of Space Engineers? Yeah, speaking of Space Engineers, after I played Planet Nomads for like two hours, I was like, I want to go play Space Engineers. So I loaded up Space Engineers and started playing it. And it's a little bit better than it was before in terms of performance. Uh, I at least could average 60 FPS with the game on uh, like... 
maximum settings. What about a planet? It still did okay in planets. It still did okay on the planets. Um, I would get dips, particularly in like areas with like lots of grassland and trees and stuff. I would get dips when I was flying really fast. Uh, so, but once I went and turned the the graphic settings down a little bit in certain places, uh, and turned off like all of the like bloom and god rays and all that stuff that I don't really give a shit about, anyways, I was hitting a solid sixty FPS everywhere I went, no matter what I did. There would be an occasional hitch, which I think was the game loading in the next, uh, you know, 15 or 20 kilometers of, of planet around me. But otherwise, it plays fine. Uh, they've added a built-in debug menu now where that you can do a lot of, like, well, you know, stuff you do in debug menu. Spawn stuff, despawn stuff. So I was just, like, grabbing stuff and playing with it and just seeing what changes they've made to the game basically vehicles uh land vehicles still suck because wheels still suck but otherwise it's exactly the same with better performance and i can handle that because i mean i like space engineers the way it was I, I have like a few mods that i use to take out the early like game grind that is boring before you start actually being able to do stuff and then the debug menu makes it go even faster because you can like build it yourself a little starter base without having to spend like six hours going, where in the hell is the iron deposit? <laughs> you just build a base, and then you can go find it with your base. You can come back to and get oxygen. Where's the iron and... deposit? Open debug menu, spawn <laughs> iron deposit. You can do that. You could always like you could go in and edit your save files to do stuff like that before, but now it's just like open the debug menu. You can visually drag it around and put it wherever you want it and drop it. I did I caught, I did crash the game because I was like, I wonder what I can get away with. And I was like spawning asteroids on the planet and then spawning like planets on the planet. I spawned like two moons together. And the game just was like, yeah, I don't, fuck this. And then it crashed. Now that's when I stopped playing. I wonder what would happen if you drop an asteroid from orbit onto the planet. Uh, there have been people who have done that on in YouTube videos and it causes a huge fucking crater, but it doesn't have any other effects besides that at one frame per minute it's pretty bad yeah yeah they uh just show a screenshot and this is real time (laughs) (laughs) we'll be here for another six hours but yeah space engineers it's it's good i mean i always liked space engineers but my biggest complaint was that its performance was so bad that i basically just had to be in the right mindset to play it or only limit myself to space environments so they didn't have to deal with all the planet shit, which really bogged the game down. But I don't know what they've done. Real debug work, I guess, but they've got it. some of that stuff ironed out in it. So maybe if your interest for it ever returns, it might work on your system. Definitely like on that new computer that you're talking about building, I think it would work just fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm just at a point right now where I'm waiting to see what RAM does. Because I have the pretty much the money to get what I wanted before, if prices didn't change drastically. Because holy shit, RAM uh, more than doubled in price. Yeah. And it, well, at this point, I may as well just wait for Black Friday. Really. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too far away. A couple of months. Unless uh, yo, shit's broken, yo. Yeah. The last game I played this week was Astrox Hostile Space Excavation, which I did refund this game. Yeah, I was about to uh, say, I don't see this uh, as uh, you owning this. Where the hell did you get it? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I it was on sale and it'd been on my wish list for a while. Basically, it looked and it is Eve offline, but it's baby's first Eve offline. So a lot of the complexity and in-depth stuff from Eve Online, like some of that you can't have in an offline game because of the multiplayer aspect and the dynamics of the market. And I accept that and that's fine. But there's a lot of complexity that I've seen in other games. X-Series? Yeah, like the X-Series that doesn't exist in well, well, that, this game. Discounting, of course, the latest uh, installment of the X-Series. Uh, Rebirth? Right. Supposedly, right, yeah. they're uh, the next X series are taking a step back towards the older games uh, and that sort of thing. Hope so. Yeah, I hope so because I mean I love Tan Conflict and then Albion Prelude. Yeah, those I was were really awesome. Yeah, I really need to sit down and play those again. Um, but anyways, a lot of the complex stuff has just gone. So it's basically Eve's ship control system, which was one of the worst parts about that. All of the complexities of like manufacturing and even mining and combat and everything stripped out. Um, but it, I mean, it has a, a single player story, which is nice. But I mean, I, I I wanted Eve offline. That's and it just didn't give me. Exactly and you didn't feel Eve like uh, learning the X series all over again. Yeah, because that's pretty yeah. much where it is for Eve offline, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I recently played the X series when I was on my vacation. I played it for eight or ten hours well i was just asking if there's anything uh, remotely similar to it no not really um the ah shoot what is it the whatever pirates space pirates and zombies no not that oh um look at my games list here starpoint gemini warlords is ah. the closest i've seen to an eve offline because you've got the whole combination of like 4x type stuff with direct ship control but even that really is only like halfway there in terms of like complexity and what you can do the x series is still closer um just the way you control your ships really is the biggest difference between the x series and eve online um i am hopeful that i i mean it was good what was there was good but it wasn't what i thought it was going to be um, they just recently announced though that the sequel, they're making a sequel to this game because this game originally came out in like 2009 or 2010 as like a web-based thing, and then they took that down and retooled it and then put it on Steam a couple of years ago. Um, but the devs announced that they have a sequel to it called Astrox Imperium that adds in a bunch of the stuff that makes it a, a lot more like Eve Online um, or or like the X series, like. They have a, a dynamic market in as much as you can do with NPC traders. They're going to put a lot more ships in. They're both player-controlled ships and NPC ships. They're talking about adding... Spreadsheets. A, yeah, they're talking about adding, you know, a lot more basically to everything. So I'm hopeful that that can be my EVE offline. But really this game, like playing this game made me just want to either go play EVE online or play the X series some more. Which I'll probably play the X series. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I have to stay away from Eve. <laughs> I really enjoy it, but it just like sucks up all of my time when I play it. So, yeah, and then we have to schedule the intervention, and uh, yeah, it's uh, expensive to go down to uh, your house to you know be able to pull you off the computer. It's like, Jared, we need to record the podcast. We're, we've been <laughs> out of Franken episodes for three months now. No, I'm mining my asteroids. 
But I did do that. I did that for like for nearly the full two hours before I could refund it was mining asteroids. And like I was like, maybe if I refine enough asteroids I can unlock something, but it's just not there. So I refunded it. If if you if I would say if you want to try Eve online but you don't want to completely throw yourself off of the, the learning cliff Astrox might be a, a decent enough training tool. They've really modeled a lot of the first hour or so of the game off of how Eve teaches you how to play. And quite a few of those systems are there, just really basic. So, but but then again, I mean, Eve Online is free to play now, so you could go through and do all the training yeah, and the tutorial first stuff in Eve. Free. Very true. Very true. So yeah, that's that's my list of games for this week. Yay. I need a drink of water. Mmm, delicious. Alright, are we ready to move on to another game, which is our Game Club game? Yeah, I believe so. And since this is a monthly feature, maybe we should say what the Game Club actually is, in case, you know, we may get new uh, listeners every so often. Uh, sure. So Um, the Game Club is once a month... uh, between the two of us, we used to have a vote until someone decided to stuff the ballot box a little too much. We uh, play a game in common and then talk about it. Yes, because in general, we have different, uh, very different tastes in video games. So we rarely like line up and play the same game. So this lets us play the same game and talk about it from our our different perspectives. Yeah, granted, my list this week was all over the place. Yeah, you know, detective esque uh, point and click, very very short platformer, uh, annoying strategy survival, and then bland action adventure, or a- yes. or, act- or ARPG, I should say. <laughs> well, everything of mine is strategy or turn based or both. So, I guess except for Skidstorm. Yeah, That's and the, the one. Yeah, and the game club is something for us to be able to come together with and also talk in depth with. Indeed. So our game club for this month was Crossout. Crossout is a free-to-play multiplayer shooter where you build a post-apocalyptic like Mad Max-style vehicle and go kill other Mad Max-style vehicles. And let me just say, it is lovely yeah this was a hell of a surprise i was expecting to yeah maybe enjoy it not love it as much as i did yeah yeah i i like this type of game like i like you know vehicle combat games in general and again like you i was expecting to like it and then we fell in love with it yeah i mean i went stupid with it and spent a lot of time with it it Mostly getting to up to, I would say, probably the mid-game. Yeah, uh, I've, you... I've gotten mostly blue uh, weapons now. Yeah, you have played it more than I have. How... Let me flip cross. I, I think I'm in the 80s now on hours, but that's also... Oh, uh, the, shit. The last couple of weeks have been uh, exploiting the uh, latest update and getting a lot of money out of it. Yeah, I've played for 20 hours. So you've played for uh, four times as long as me if you've played for eight. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the most I've played a game club game uh, in general. Yeah, I think it is too. I I mean, I really like the game. I just don't, one, I don't have a, as much time 
as you to play games. And then two, I mean, my, a lot of my free time has been eat up the last couple of weeks with XCOM 2 because that's my, my new series and I've had to spend so much time trying to fix it. That game is so hard to record. Yeah, and also, uh, imagine you're trying to record ahead. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm one episode ahead right now because of all of my issues. I couldn't record last week. Well, I recorded one episode last week. The one night that I got to record, a big fuck-off storm blew through. And ah. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to risk it because my power goes out all the time whenever big storms blow through. And it didn't, but I was playing it safe, so... I only got one episode. Yeah, in. maybe I should uh, try uh, give you some uh, ideas on how I record RimWorld to, but off uh, the podcast to try to help you with this because it's about the similar idea. You know, very modified game, a very long game, with the possibility of things going to shit uh, in a single turn or single episode. Yep. But yeah, we'll we'll we're talking about crossfire right now. We can yeah. maybe talk about that later. <laughs> um, so let's talk first about gameplay. That this is the first thing that drew me in: how crisp the gameplay is for crossfire. Yeah, and I'm gonna be going back to Robocraft uh, a lot, comparing the two because that, that that's probably the best comparison, at least I can think of offhand. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that there's others, but uh, the two major ones right now are really Robocraft in this for the car combat, build your own uh, vehicle and fight others uh, genre, whatever you would want to uh, uh, name that to. <laughs> right. Uh, let's call it a vroom shooter. Vroom shooter. Okay, sure. The vroom shooter <laughs> shooters on genre. Uh, and. I think the main difference between this and what makes this feel a lot better is just, well, for one, this game isn't trying to do everything. Robocraft tries to do practically every mode of transportation you can think of north of Pogo Stick. Oh, wait, I take that back. There's such a thing as jumping around on a single leg in Robocraft. Yeah, yeah, Robocraft tries to do walking vehicles, which, granted, there is, like, a spider tank in Crossout. Yeah, but the thing is that the spider tanks in Crossout... Well, Crossout has the spider tanks, they have the hovercrafts now, and they have wheeled vehicles. But spider tanks have a lot of weight to them. They're very slow. Hovercrafts yeah. are very fast and very... Sitting on the very edge of uh, controllability. Right. And wheels are sort of... Uh, in between. Oh, there are tracked vehicles as well, which are also uh, very slow and have a high amount of traction, so you're able to traverse most ter terrains very easily. But Robocraft tries to make it so that they're a lot more equal in their uh, performance, and really makes it so that, yeah, why would I want to have wheels whenever I could take a hovercraft and feel pretty much exactly the same? Right. Uh, this gives a, a, enough identity to each of the modes of transportation that if you really sit down and weigh the consequences. Okay, I want something that's very stable for my cannon build, so that kind of takes wheels out, maybe, or I put a lot more wheels on, or I could get a tracked vehicle. Granted, it also is based on power score, which is uh, the essentially the amount of oomph your a vehicle has, and... Uh, the walker legs and the tracks and the hover jets have a lot more power score. So they're 
if you take those into a lower tiered battle, you're usually not having a more as much stuff on them. Yeah. But that's one thing it does better than Robocraft because Robocraft also has that whole power course, power score system, but it's really easy to break that system in Robocraft. Whereas uh, Crossout feels like it's a lot more tiered. Like every few hundred power score puts you in a completely different tier. Yeah, there's in- about a uh, there's a milestone uh, at the thousand marks. So one thousand to two thousand, there's a, kind of a hard uh, jump. And then 2,000 to 3,000, 3,000, 4,000, and so on. But, yeah, and that's reflected but there, but in there, them. But there are, you know, a, a blurred line. So as you approach it, you see more and more of the next tier. And that's reflected, too, in the different modes, because some of them are locked away if you're not using a vehicle with a certain power score. And at the very least, like, there's little recommendations I've seen on a couple of them to, you know, have whatever power score. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best way to for me to say it is Robocraft is trying to be like, we have everything. We're a jack of all trades. Whereas Crossout is like a lot more focused. There are fewer, there's less variety in what you can do. Yeah, they're focusing I mean, still, all on ground vehicles, really. Right. So there's there's less variety. Like you can't do helicopters. You can't do planes. You can't do I have a seen lot of people uh, uh, make a cosmetic helicopter with the hover jets. But, yeah, you know, it's not a true helicopter. It's not using the blades to fly. Right. And, then, like, there have been people that have used, like, the little boosters to make, like, airplanes. I'm making air quotes. But, I mean, they just, like, fly up and flip around and crash onto the ground. So they don't actually fly. Yeah, they're the Wally Coyote airplanes. Yeah. Even though I have seen them uh, work a couple times, usually jumping behind the enemy lines and capping the base. <laughs> which really gets us into combat uh, and, you know, how the gameplay handles. Because... There's a few different modes. There's the uh, kind of just battle royale. I can't even say battle royale now because that's a different uh, genre. <laughs> There's <laughs> arena shooter. Can we use arena shooter still? Is arena shooter all right? Sure. I don't give a shit what you use. It's our show. Uh, but, we'll use whatever we want. But it's, what was it, about 10 on 10 uh, combat, uh, uh, red versus blue, you know, uh, but you're always the... Uh, the blue team, and you're uh, seeing the other guys as the red team. Yeah. Uh, and there's a few different styles of maps. There's a neutral King of the Hill style, where you cap the center point, you win. Or you just uh, you could also kill the other team. But really, if you just go for a team kill, you usually lose, because uh, there's usually that one guy on the other team that plays the objective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one guy which, who's playing the objective can win the day. Which I don't have a problem with, really. I, I no, like I games either. that uh, reward you playing the damn objective, because I played Team Fortress 2, and there was a, several maps that turned into essentially just uh, yeah, uh, team uh, deathmatch, because you know, nobody played the objective. Or it was very hard to play the objective, because you know, the way the map was designed was kind of poor. But Yeah, and playing the objective, except for the King of the Hill style... Um, instead of it being like all or nothing, you get capture points with the maximum being three points. So you can capture one point, and then if the other team doesn't capture any points, as long as your team doesn't die, you win. Yeah, which is a, a great way to really kind of divide the uh, idea of playing the objective, but still have the idea also of uh, making the other team uh, a, a team deathmatch situation. 
Yeah. So if uh, your team is down, but you've uh, gotten a point, well, run and hide. Yeah. And matches are re- are short. They're what three? Is it three minutes or uh, I would, five minutes? I, I would say between three and five. Even uh, the PVE stuff is rarely beyond six minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, if that happens, if you just run and hide. You can still you can just run the timer out, but it's only like a five minute timer, so it's not like you're sitting there for twenty minutes. Yeah, which I think really helps with this game because that's a that's another thing that really has ever Robocraft is Robocraft games are very, very long compared to this, but they're also almost going into the Boba genre where you're having to hold different points and or build up uh, your abilities and or your uh, your team and uh, go into the enemy base uh, to destroy the enemy base. Well, I think the RoboCraft, even like the deathmatch in RoboCraft, its timer is like 15 minutes. And if you don't hit the required score, like you're going 15 minutes. Yeah, and it makes it so that even if you get a teammate in this game that is absolutely useless, which I haven't haven't seen as many completely useless, like in RoboCraft where someone goes in without guns. I'm not even sure if you can go in without guns in this game now that I think about it. I didn't test that. You can. You can? All right. You can, yeah. You I've seen vehicles. No, I didn't test it. I've seen vehicles with no guns. But usually they're like ramming builds. Um, because ram, like, you don't have to. In Robocraft, you have to have the specific melee weapon. Um, but in this, like, all ramming damage, or all ramming does damage. And then you can have weapons that are specifically designed yeah, as ramming weapons. Yeah, there's passive and active uh, uh, ramming weapons where. It- a passive uh, ramming weapon would be like a spike bumper or a train uh, uh, a cow catcher or that sort of thing where you hit it and uh, it does one point or one big spike of damage and that's it. But then there's the passive or the active weapons where uh, as long as the weapon's in contact, it's doing a continuous amount of damage, but also drains power from your craft. And the power that your craft has is dependent on both the cabin and any additional stuff that you may have on it. So if I have the, uh, uh, the higher uh, truck cabin that has, I believe it's eight power. And then I add a generator to it. Well, my truck could have, uh, could support depending on the generator up to 10 because different, gener- well, actually I believe it's up to 11 now because the uh, new generator they put in, but that's beside the point. But, the flip side of that is that generators, if they take damage, um, explode. Boom. And if you have your craft built where the generator's explosion will hit your cabin, it could be instant death. Yep. But sometimes you have to do that to make a more compact vehicle. So it's a, a design trade-off. And I really like that. Yeah, yeah, there's no... Robocraft has part regeneration. There's none of that. There's no, there's not even a way to repair yourself in the middle of a fight. Like you can build repair kits, but those basically are just lives. Yeah, the repair gifts are uh, for lives for the raid mode, isn't it? Yeah, I think they they can be used in clan battles too, but we don't have a clan. Like I just think I saw that. Yeah, yeah, we didn't get into the clan stuff, but mostly because it's expensive to get into, and we'll get into the pricing model in a little bit. But also, uh, maybe it's. Uh, we whenever we make a clan and uh, all abandon the game it uh, feels kind of lonesome because usually it's me the last one and holding it down 
That's what happened in uh, Warframe. And it's like, uh, okay, I could leave and join another clan, but then I'm, uh, you know, kind of, you know, leaving everything else behind in that sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. But it's also expensive to start one. Yeah, it's, I actually don't know how much. I think it was 500 coins. Okay, I was thinking it was 500 too, which is a lot. Like the, the economy in this game, it takes a long time to earn coins well, it really depends on the state of the economy because the last week or so when uh, the new patch came out and uh, there was a sudden rush on things, it was very easy to get money. The price of uh, scrap, which is your generic uh, resource to craft, uh, shot up uh, by a coin per 100, which doesn't sound like a lot to begin with, but it a- adds up very quickly. And also, yeah. certain items jumped up 20 coins. Jeez. Yeah, so... What I'll, went up that much? Well, that's not even counting the stuff from the new uh, faction, which unfortunately I didn't have access to. But you are able to kind of test drive a lot of the stuff to at least get a feel for it. Uh, I was making light generators, uh, you know, four or five of them a day. Pop again, selling them uh, for... 60 uh, coins each when they used to be go for 40 some and was spending that to get uh, extra weapons uh, the the profit from it right so I'm actually fairly well set now <laughs> nice yeah and, you, and, I mean, you... and granted I did put some money in but it's more I, I, it's kind of a time skip but I was beyond where the time skip would take me anyway so it was more just giving me extra currency and a few extra toys. Yeah, I don't really... Saying that, I don't really feel like this is a game where you need to spend money. Like, certain free-to-play games definitely, like, gate off stuff to you and make it, like, nigh impossible. Yeah, this... But... Uh, if I would have paid in earlier, I wouldn't have gotten uh, really all that much outside of what the pack gave me because a lot of what the cars are made of are gated on their... Different factions, the engineers, which is your starter faction, you're always an engineer. And as you level that up, you're given structural parts, which build out your car. And then once you hit level 10 with the engineers, you're able to join a secondary faction and get parts from both of the your starter faction and the secondary faction to, you know, kind of just build out your rod. Yeah, and, and you there's can no pretty way to skip freely, that. Yeah, and you can pretty freely change factions. I mean, once you, a day. you can only change once a day. But well, there's once no, every like, 24 hours uh, to be completely uh, transparent on that. It's not once a yeah. day, it's once every 24 hours, and that's an important distinction. <laughs> but there's no penalties for swapping or anything As like that. As a matter of fact, you're so, encouraged to. Yeah, it's a pretty good idea to to pretty rapidly cycle through like the first two or three levels of each faction to get access to a bunch of the base parts, which one, lets you design cooler vehicles, and two, just gives you a lot more stuff to work with. Um, yeah, and your part limit is uh, determined by your engineer's faction. And that's the main thing that the uh, buying in uh, would skip is it pumps that up depending on the part on the pack because there's buying in to just the currency, which doesn't really give you anything. And there's different packs. There's actually seven of them now. And some of them get expensive, you know, like 70 bucks. I thought they had one that was 100 bucks. Don't recall if there's one uh, th- that expensive. I know the newest one was seventy, 
or 70 or 80. Matter of fact, I believe they are on DLC now in the uh, Steam store. Uh, yeah, the, the Innovator pack is the newest one that's 70. There, I, I don't recall one being 100, but maybe in a different currency it's 100. Maybe. Maybe I just misread it, too. Yeah, that's the the new hover stuff. Hover it, does, it does give all sorts of toys. Which yeah, uh, which is which is nice and uh, and that's kind of the uh, the thing is that if you get one of those packs you could also sell the stuff and the innovator pack gives you uh the hovers which are very expensive right now and will still be expensive because it uses the tiered system of well kind of the World of Warcraft style uh white blue purple orange which I realize World of Warcraft is probably not the first one that did that. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what the first game that had that particular color scheme was. But that's just the first place I encountered it. Right. And typically your whites are, you know, sub uh, uh, one coin, uh, usually, you know, a, a, a couple nickels or a dime. And then blues are somewhere in the uh, high 30s, low 40s, depending on, you know, just popularity and, you know, what is used for what like usually generators aren't that expensive but because the light generator is used in one of the hover uh, jets that price suddenly jumped up because of supply and demand then you start getting more expensive stuff like the epics uh, the purples are in the like 300 coin range but if you are sitting down uh, able to figure out okay this purple sells for this much, but requires this much to build. You are able to make money eventually. It's just getting over that hump. And it makes me wonder about the long-term uh, survivability of the economy, because there's not really a way to generate money in the game outside of just selling on the market. And the only way that people are getting money is either through crates, which uh, have a low chance to hit a... Uh, a amount of coins. Didn't you get a hit on coins, or was it somebody else in our group? No, it was me. I got, I think, 20 coins from one of the crates. Yeah, which is actually a low possibility. Or just, uh, you know, selling stuff on the marketplace. There's no other way to really generate money uh, outside of just buying. Well, there, oh, I'll take that back. I'll take it back. There is the ranked mode, which I didn't actually play into, but the highest... 30 some places also get differing amounts of coins and they also have a community uh you know, record a video send it in and that gives some money as well now so there are some ways but that's still very limited right and wow and most mmos suffer from this just like very slow price creep on everything which in games that you know you buy into that's i think a little bit less of a problem because just of like the investment that players have and yeah and this also has uh ways to take the money out of the economy as well with the rental of the work bitches which okay i'm I'm not terribly happy with but i understand why it's there yeah you can use the basic workbench for forever like the basic engineer bench but yeah but pretty quickly get past that yeah and honestly you don't want to be using that because most of the stuff there outside of just a couple of the cosmetics that you get for login bonuses, the parts for, are not worth building. They're worth just buying straight off. Yeah. And a lot of them are given, actually all of them, I think, are given as rewards for the the standard PvP modes. Which then, I like the way that they're named. It's just like, 
get the and then it picks apart. So get the cabin, get the machine. <laughs> yeah, gun, which I'm pretty shotgun. sure that's just a differing uh, rewards, and it doesn't change the matchmaking, or at least very much that I can detect you know, what it's actually doing. Yeah, which I don't have a problem with. It's nice to say, okay, I want this particular part for this crafting. And I just don't want to buy it outright. Maybe it's stupid expensive right now. You know, see right now for with, I believe it's radar dishes or the white item that's really expensive. Just uh, go into the matchmaking with the uh, radar dish and uh, play a few rounds. And rounds are very short. Yeah. So other things that are pretty important. Uh, well, we never the... talked about PVE yet. <laughs> Yeah, well, we haven't talked about that. Yeah, let's let's do that before I because I was going to shift completely to something else. So this game also has PVE, um, uh, which this is a uh, sort of mobile esque uh, energy uh, driven, where you have fuel and it resets at midnight Greenwich Mean Time, yeah, Zulu Time, uh, which is for us eight o'clock uh, in the evening, and you get a certain amount of fuel depending on your engineer level, and you're able to go on these raids with usually three to four people, depending on just how kind the matchmaking is to you. And uh, do different objectives. They just added a new one, which I haven't been able to uh, play yet. Uh, it's essentially a reverse convoy mode where you're trying to stop a uh, uh, a convoy to get to a certain place. Then there's the flip of that where a convoy, where you're trying to escort a uh, NPC vehicle. There's a defensive mode where you're uh, trying to prevent pump jacks from uh, being destroyed to be able to generate, well, that are generating fuel, but you don't get the fuel. You're spending fuel to do that. Figure that one out. Uh, there's cargo race, which is probably my favorite mode. You're put on one of the PVP maps uh, and dotted throughout the landscape are different cargo uh, containers, and it sends you, okay, go get this one now. Go get that one now. Go get this one now. And yeah. you essentially have to survive and get uh, 10 of the containers uh, with uh, time ticking down. Uh, with Every time you get a container, it adds, I think, a minute to the time, uh, uh, 45 seconds to a minute, depending on your difficulty. And also killing enemies also gives you uh, extra time because uh, you're not there by yourself, obviously. Uh, is there any other the game modes I'm missing? Uh, there's one where you have to assault pump jacks. Oh yeah, the assault mode. I don't play that too much. Uh, too much, but it's essentially you're, uh, you're having to kill pump jacks, which are yep, very heavily defended. And then there's the uh, the uh, trying to think of what the actual name of it's called, but having to go sneak in, grab the cargo, and then escape. Yeah, the there's like infiltration or something. Yeah, infiltration. But... Uh, and usually once you pick up uh, the cargo, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. There's a few different maps for that. And then there's a, a Leviathan mode, which I haven't actually played, but you, whenever you go into it, you're put up against three player-made Leviathans, which, did you get to level 17? No, I'm not level 17. I think okay. I'm level 14. Well, once you get level 17, you get the second slot in your gu garage, which is the Leviathan slot, which has pretty much a, uh, an unlimited part cap. Well, I shouldn't say completely unlimited, but it's you know, a couple hundred Right. And you're able to build a Leviathan with a power rating of, or a, power, a total power of 60, which Damn. mine is pretty much throw all the guns on it. Right. 
And then if your Leviathan gets picked and you uh, and your team wins, you know, the player Leviathans, uh, you get some copper, which is one of the secondary uh, crafting resources. But I haven't been picked all that often, and uh, you're not controlling it yourself. So it's the AI controlling it, which is, you know, uh, the AI in this game, it's decent enough. It's nowhere near as bad as what Rebercrafts was, because I had yeah. uh, run into some of the AI in Rebercraft, and damn. But it's still not great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's serviceable, but you definitely want to play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, the but, part... Oh, oh, sorry, I, I wanted to say, uh, you spend fuel to get this, and for me, it's 200. I think starting out, you get 60? Yeah, you get 60 by default, and, oh, I mean, my fuel's 200. Do you get any more than 200? Uh, no, you, uh, 200, I think, is the max. And okay. you're also able to... in. Uh, go into the PvP mode, uh, take a fuel barrel, and if you win and survive, and that's the key thing, is you have to survive, you get a resource of fuel that you're able to either sell or use to replenish your fuel and get back into the raid mode, which makes survival a lot more profitable. Yeah. And I mean, it adds up because matches go so quickly. If you're able to win and survive... Uh, the starting fuel barrel is five. I know you can get one that's ten. Can you yeah, get one that's higher than ten? I, I don't think there, there's a higher one, at least as far as I know. But also, um, uh, the fuel barrels uh explode. Yeah, uh, a lot of things actually explode in this game. There's a lot of stuff that blows up and can kill you. Um, and that's glorious. That's another thing too. Like your fuel tank, your the fuel tank has to survive. So because I've had this happen before. Uh, I place my fuel tank in such a way that if it gets blown up, it doesn't kill my cabin. But if the fuel tank gets blown up, you don't get any fuel, even if you do survive and win. So you have to survive, win, and the fuel tank has to be still has to be there. Which really encourages some interesting designs. Yeah, and th- and that doesn't stack, so you can't use multiple fuel tanks to get multiple. Yeah, I wish people would read fuel. that. Yeah. About the only reason to stack multiple fuel tanks is to create some kind of suicide bomber. Though I'm not going to say it. <laughs> which there are designs that do that, but they're pretty ineffective because if you they shoot are the fuel hilarious. tanks, they are hilarious. If you shoot the fuel tanks, you at at worst you neuter it, and at best you just kill it outright. So, yeah, but some of the uh, well, I don't have a suicide uh, bomber, but I do have one that kind of uh, decloaks. I have a cloaking device which. That's something else is that they have a various additional hardware. They have cloaking devices. They have a shield now that ha- a limited uh, time use, but also it's a limited size. So larger crafts aren't completely covered by it. That makes sense. Yeah, I actually really like that balance. Uh, they have a turret or, or sorry, just a placeable shield that does the same thing. And there's also drones, which are considered weapons now, thankfully, which... Uh, drive around and shoot. There's a lot of little hardware accessories that you're able to do that have really differentiate very similar craft because especially the lower tiers, a lot of the vehicles start to look uh, not really the same, but variations on the same theme. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say in the 3 to 4K range, you start to see a lot of divergence, though. Yeah, once people are starting to get into the blue cabins. Granted, there's not a lot of cabins right now. There's 
Doesn't each faction have two different ones? Yeah, each faction has two different ones, and they just added the uh, the fifth faction. Uh, and then there's, I want to say, five different white ones. There's the starter one, the replacement for the starter one, which is slightly better. There's a, a van and a, a truck of some sort. Or, you know, a, a big box truck, I should say. Yeah. And the cabins are also... They're they're not the end all be all of the role of your craft, but they definitely uh, set a precedent for it because of they set the speed and the overall or the base power that you get on top of or with uh, any generators that you put in. Yeah. So you know, seeing something something with uh, the little doom buggy uh, growl. Uh, uh, cockpit. You know it's going to be fast. It's going to be light. It's going to be fragile, but likely it's going to hurt because usually those are hit and run vehicles. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not a very hit and run type guy, so I tend to go for the bigger, heavier, slower cabins, which by default usually have more power um, and more structure, which and is more structure. But they're they provide less speed and acceleration. And also another thing is that it. Uh, having your vehicle hit it's they have some sort of armor angling i'm not 100 percent certain on that though but also having uh your parts hit on your truck uh deals a certain amount of damage but having your cabin hit directly deals uh the full damage so there's a mixture of trying to armor your cabin but still make your truck lightweight enough to you know be able to move yeah there's a there's a lot of strategy to this game that there you, there is a lot there's a lot of design strategy a yeah. lot of yeah you mind know. if I move to say that we should keep this on the stream night uh, rotation no I think that we should yeah I mean I enjoy playing it I mean I don't play as much as you do but unless someone else has like just started playing it a shit ton I'm the one who plays it like the second most so. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm likely going to back down quite a bit because most of it was uh, getting uh, into game club stuff, but also wanting to uh, hit the, che- uh, the chest or the crates to be able to uh, get some of the starter stuff to. And that's really where uh, the big investment for me was, was getting over that hump to have more options. Right. Because I build out tires to be able to... Uh, uh, change the design that wasn't quite working right with the tires I had. So I built uh, bigger tires to be able to, you know, have this almost uh, hot rod thing with giant tires in the uh, uh, back and little bitty tires in the front <laughs> <laughs> because the weight uh, distribution was uh, quite right. Yeah, it's got a pretty good physics model for things like that. I mean, it's not like you know racing sim levels. Yeah, I would good, go. But... Ar- I would go arcadey sim uh, because it definitely. The, Changing your tires definitely helps. There's a lot more there than you would think, especially once you start figuring out uh, your center of gravity and, you know, where it is on your vehicle. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's made by Gaijin, the same people who do War Thunder, and it feels somewhat similar to that, especially when you're using the bigger vehicles. I get the sense that they just took a lot of the physics from that game, and, and, I mean, it might even be designed in the same engine. I'm not sure, but... It does feel similar, the physics in the game, compared to that for, like, tanks and stuff, so. Yeah, and you wanted to go somewhere with this. 
Yeah, I did. I wanted to talk about some of the other aspects of the game, like the art style and the soundtrack um, and the theme. This sort of you know post-apocalyptic car combat. I mean, you know, it's it's Mad Max. It's it's if you were yeah you know, playing yeah. And the reason why they call this cross out is that uh, essentially the world uh, had a epidemic called the cross out virus that made everyone insane. Yes, yeah, I actually got into right. the, yeah, yes, I got into the lore of it to figure out what the hell. <laughs> And it affected people in different ways, and that's why you have the different factions that are vastly different. You have the lunatics that uh, drive their doom buggies uh, and mount explosives to them. And those are very much your Mad Max villains. Uh, yeah, but I have that's... to say, by, uh, well, it's not completely uh, lunatic-based, but uh, the Hyden Boom, and yes, that is the name of my, ca- of my craft for it, <laughs> uh, the one with the uh, the chameleon, the cloaking device. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, explosive spears. Well, I'm redesigning it right now and a rocket lo- or, or a missile launcher on it. And the idea of it is cloak uh, went out of sight, uh, come around, boom, and then ram someone. <laughs> and it's tough to play well, but usually I could uh, do some real damage with it. And it's fun. There you go. Um, But yeah, yeah, the, the aesthetic, the art style is amazing. It's surprised, like, it looks good, like, not just great, it just looks good and believable, and, like, I could see this as being a world, you know, like... Everything belie- feels like it makes sense. Yeah, everything feels like it makes sense, like, yeah. Even the, even the hover the- jets, it, uh, they look like they were just ripped out of a jet fighter and uh, attached to giant spider legs. Yeah. Or, or some sort of actuation. And outside of ignoring, you know, ideas of, you know, Delta V to be able to cause uh, a several ton craft to hover like that, they make a lot of sense and they look really well done. And you, and they behave like you would imagine, you know, barely controllable, uh, completely uh, bat shit to try to use on any of the more claustrophobic uh, maps, which we probably should talk about map design in general. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the maps have a very wide assortment of just types. There are ruined uh, city blocks. There's, well, not city blocks, but ruined like townships. And then there's open desert. There's uh, uh, forested areas. There's, like, industrial waste area. I mean, there's, like, a factory that has, like, a big acid pool or something in the middle that, like, you feel like a reactor has leaked or something. Yeah, you um, go through a, a, a old observ- a radio observatory. There's, like, a burned-out train yard. There's a, a ship a boneyard where it looks like a, like a, a coastline has dried up and left all these ships grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the training area, which is interesting yeah, in and of itself. Like, yeah, I wish that, that was an actual level you could fight on. It's got a little bit of everything on it. Because, I mean, you know, it's it's a proving grounds where you can test your vehicles, but... Yeah, only thing that they don't really there. have is uh, loose sand, because the way that the traction bottle works is that they have uh, a compacted surface, you know, think paved roads. You have uh, off-road, which is, you know, uh, just, you know, off-road. And you have loose dirt, which is sand. And they don't have sand on that map, so hitting uh, something like the desert maps with those sand dunes 
can make it so that a craft, uh, you know, is very unpredictable uh, the first time you do that. Yeah. And I feel like they definitely model the tires differently. Like there's uh, these tractor tread style tires you can put on trucks and actual tractor tires. Yeah. Uh, I have one a, of the factions. Yeah. yeah those handle the, better off road, but they typically are slower. Yeah. Those are the scavengers, which are uh, essentially paramilitary. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then the lunatics have like chain tires and studded tires which, as you may imagine, work better on looser surfaces, which gives it more of the arcade sim feel. Yeah. So, because there's a definite uh, plus and minus on running uh, different uh, tires and figure out, okay, this tire offers more structure, it, yeah, or is more durable, but it has this downside and this downside. And I really like that. Yeah. There's no clear-cut winner. Well, unless you really get into the hovers, which are still, you know, brand new and are very expensive. <laughs> yeah. And I should say also, well, like I said before, very hard to control. Yeah. Um, I, I like the soundtrack, too. Well, actually, just general audio design. They did a really good job of capturing, like, different engine sounds and styles and different types of truck sounds. Yeah, and all the different cabins have a different uh, engine sound. Yep, the soundtrack, which, you know, I led this off of that, is amazing. It's fairly simple, like, rock and country-style yeah, tunes. Uh, but... Rockabilly. <laughs> I've never heard that before, but yeah, that You've never sense. heard the term rockabilly? No, I've never heard that before. Tee-hee. Um, but the soundtrack is just gorgeous, and it makes me feel like I'm in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds like music that you would expect, really. You know, not uh, heavily industrialized, not uh, a lot of uh, high-tempo, uh, uh, edgier-seat stuff, but not real laid-back either. Yeah. It's good, solid sound design. I'm trying to think, are there any other areas of the game? I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff. We've actually had a much longer discussion about this game than we thought yeah. we would. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Um, I mean, we were kind of stretching on our topic list to begin with, so... Yeah. <laughs> Turns out the, that, that was for not. Yeah, the only thing I think that we haven't mentioned is the actual, like, building system for your vehicles. Yeah, that which... is a little clunky. It takes some getting used to. It, there's a, a frame system where you put down your frames, and that's, uh, uh, the uh, well, like you would imagine, the backbone of your vehicle. But there's also this sort of meta going around where people are just spamming frames like crazy to because it's also a high structure part and it's resistant to damage. Yeah. But you don't see it that often that it's, I, I would call it a problem yet. Yeah, it's something biggest... that they need to uh, keep an eye on because there are some builds that I've encountered uh, a couple times that were interesting. And possible game breakers if allowed to continue. The frame builds where people are f spamming literally every frame part that they have is possibly one of them. Yeah, using that specifically to like to pr protect their wheels. Protect well, protect their wheels uh, and just add a ton of uh, health to their cabin because, yeah. like I talked about, their the cabin would still take full damage, but 
because each frame part adds so much health because you're not supposed to have that many. It makes it so that you're ending up with a cabin that has a couple thousand health and the there's not a lot of high damage weapons. You The biggest damage weapons would be the cannons and the missiles. And both of which, even in the uh, two to three, uh, in three to four thousand range, are two hundred fifty to, I would say four hundred uh, damage for a direct hit. And on top of that, even if you get a direct hit, they still do splash damage to the yeah. nearest connected parts. So you're not getting all of that damage a hundred percent concentrated. So, yeah. Usually, though, the issue with people who do massive frame builds at least at the level that I am at is they still don't have enough vehicle parts to really put anything else together so if they spend like 15 or 20 parts putting all of their frames together then they're going to have less weapons or less other parts as a trade off and I mean once you shoot their weapons off those vehicles are pretty much useless Yeah, the the main problem I've encountered was uh, uh, the seal clubbing have you ever heard that term before? And I'm not talking about taking a club, a seal out to go dancing. I mean, I've heard of seal clubbing in game terms. Is this the same use, or does it have yeah, a specific use? Yeah, for... it's the same use where uh, a high, or someone with a lot more options comes down to a low rank uh, to be able to just uh, rank up wins. And in this case, it's the people that you saw with the uh, uh, usually the Docker cabin, the truck cab, uh, the yeah. white truck cab. Yeah, thank free candy. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, with that uh, auto-targeting uh, uh, turret on top, and then all the frames. I'm sure you've yeah. seen that one. I've seen that one, yeah. The, yeah, and the yeah, auto-turrets the, yeah, had a lot of health. Yeah, that's the seal clubbers, which uh, the auto-turrets also have a lot of power score, which is kind of the uh, the counterbalance to it. The, they Well, they did nerf the health. They knocked them down from 400-some to 300, uh, exactly. They knocked, a, I think, 125, 130 off of uh, of them in the last patch. But also, they made it so that they turn a lot slower. Yeah, they have a slow traversal right now. And Initially, it was pretty quick. And there's no uh, direct uh, way to, well, there's no way to direct them. So if you're in the middle of a battle, you know, it's going to constantly trying to uh, lock onto the closest target because that's what it does. It doesn't lock onto one until it's out of range. But it's also a little sad to see someone come in with that and maybe a drone, which is also another auto-aiming uh, thing, and d- literally just sit there. Yeah. I do like the drones, though. Yeah, the drones are very deadly, uh, but they also have the downside of if you kill them, they have a 30-second cooldown uh, to be able to summon another one, and you only have a handful of them. I think four. Yeah, I think it's four. Are the flying drones four? Because I've only used yeah. the... Uh, okay. Then, yeah, it's four. Yeah, I got... Yeah, I have two flying drones, and I have one land drone, or one wheeled drone, which they've changed the names of them uh, recently. And there's also different types of drones. There's a missile drone that... It's actually very deadly. <laughs> uh, as I believe Jim found out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... Once again, yeah, they are very fragile. So that's the counterpoint to them is that you shoot them down before they shoot you. Which I don't really have a a problem with, you know, having something that's high damage like that on a long cooldown if it's fragile like that. Yeah, but even the machine gun drones can be incredibly deadly. Mm-hmm. 
The best way to kill them, I found, though, is just to ram them. They don't have a lot of health. Yeah, either ram them or if you have machine guns yourself, uh, just shoot them. Yeah. But I don't... Yeah, I don't really think I have anything else to say. I, I mean, it's great. I love the game. We'll keep playing it. It'll wind up on the multiplayer list. Yeah, I do, I do want to give them props for one thing. Is cosmetics. Did you mess with cosmetics at all? Um, No. Okay. Not outside of the flags. Is that what you're talking about? Like the ducky and all well, that stuff? Or is there something well, else? Well, well, I was talking uh, like uh, the the duckies and that sort of thing that give you a bonus rep to... Uh, to incentivize you to use some of that part count to uh, decorate your rod but also the paints yeah I don't really like any of the paints no I gotta give them props for the paints that they're not single use oh you get a paint it's yours and there's actually a lot of paints out there yeah I've not seen a ton of them the blue and the red are probably my two favorites uh, well, I usually there's a lot of different patterns and stuff as well. Well, there's a lot of patterns. There was also the red one that, or the uh, decorated red one that you get for uh, logging in uh, when they hit their milestone on their Russian YouTube channel. Yeah, uh, I think you got that, didn't you? Yeah, I have that one. I've got one of the Australian paint jobs. I don't yeah, know if they're different. But... Yeah, there's two of them. There's an Aboriginal one, and there's one uh, that's Australian with a bunch of... Which, it looks like uh, the Outback Steakhouse threw up on your car. <laughs> if only it was that tasty. Uh, but then there's different patterns, and there's different... Uh, there is a digital camo, but honestly, what I do is I have two different browns, and I just paint my car uh, you know, a couple different browns to try to camouflage it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, granted, you know, you if the enemy has any sort of radar, which there is a built-in radar into your cabin, then there is a, a giant fuck-off red arrow above your car. <laughs> yeah, that that is there. Uh, but, you know, it does uh, you know, try to break up uh, the uh, outline of your car a little bit. Granted, you know, uh, once you're in higher power scores, it probably doesn't matter all that much because uh, the car size really starts to inflate. My little truck that I use, which is essentially a heavily, heavily, heavily modified version of the starter truck. I think there's maybe like uh, one part of the frame that's still uh, original. Because <laughs> uh, uh, even the frame I've completely rebuilt. Well, outside of maybe the front part. Uh, my little starter or my little modified starter truck is hitting about the place where it's as high power score as I could get it without completely just going nuts and, and making it larger. So the idea of camouflage isn't going to be as important, I don't think, once you get into like the 4K, 5K range. Yeah. Because my murder uh, truck, the uh, one I usually take on raids, is in the 5K range. But that's also mostly due to its armor. It has three times the health. With my little truck, but essentially the same firepower. I mean, it's not. Yeah. I'm not trying to you know make it a bigger uh, or more pack for pack uh, more punch. It's just it has the same guns except it has a drone. Yeah, but very good game. Very yeah, very very good game. Like it a lot. It might. It's got a. It, it's a strong contender for best game club game at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, heading to the game club list to see if there's anything else 
Well, there, there's still a couple, couple strong uh, contenders on there as well for me. I mean, hell, we've had a good year so far. Yeah, we have. I mean, we have, if my heart had wings on there, we have uh, Life is Strange. Yeah. It's Brothers Life of Tell Two Sons. Life is Strange was definitely my number one until Crossout. And Crossout is giving it a run for its money. You know, at the end, end of the year, when I sit down and go through the list, I'll. Well, just imagine uh, Max and Chloe in uh, that uh, as uh, they try to survive the hellscape that they created because they just couldn't sacrifice Chloe. Yep, I just couldn't do it. (laughs) Chloe, though, fits right in. She fits right in. I could imagine her in the lunatic faction. (laughs) I could. I could. And then Max would be her her co-driver because she could just rewind time and keep her from dying. (laughs) Yeah, but then Chloe would say, what, what do you mean, turn around? I, they're right there. <laughs> Max just rolls her eyes and rewinds for the 50th time. Listen, you idiot. I could rewind time. I don't, boom. Son of a... <laughs> not again. Maybe uh, that's why I'm not too hip on playing Before the Storm. I didn't care for uh, Chloe before, like, episode three, when she started to... With between her and Max started to really click. Yeah, I don't know. All right, well, are we ready to announce yeah, our next game of, club? Uh, game, well, yeah, game club games that we played before. Let's talk about the next one. Yes, the next one is going to be Alan Wake's American Nightmare. So continuing our so far our tradition of doing Alan Wake games in October. Yeah, well, uh, unless there's going to be a big announcement in the next like month, that's going to be coming to an end in 2018. Yeah. But we're but still going to have to figure out you know, something a little spooky, not too spooky, because we don't need to scare Jared that much. Yeah, I don't like scary games. If you pick <laughs> something too scary, I'm not playing it. But yeah, we're going to play uh, Alan Wake's American Nightmare. Now, I have not played this. I had played the first or the original Alan Wake, but you have played this, right? Yes. I know what to expect from this. Okay. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I've seen some stuff about it, but that was years ago. So, I, I mean, I don't really remember much except just kind of the the basic like gist of the story yeah i think i played this two or three actually i should be able to just look on steam Uh, assuming it hasn't been too long ago yeah but so that's working i don't like american nightmare oh it's been longer than i thought uh well it actually shows game purchase not last played which gives you an idea of 2013 so probably play it 2013 2014 Right. Now, you can still buy American Nightmare. The first Alan Wake I don't think is available for purchase on Steam no. anymore. But American Nightmare, you can purchase. It currently is $10. I would be surprised if it didn't go on sale in October. So you might be able to pick it up for, you know, 50% off. Let's see. It looks like its lowest price has been $0.95 cents at one point. That was probably when they were about to take Alan Wake 1. Yeah, or Alan Wake off of the storefront because I know they sold them both really cheaply, but uh, looks like it's been as low as like two fifty before on Steam. Yeah, I imagine this will so, go on a deep discount before uh, Game Club. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. So uh, looking forward to playing it. Yeah, uh, it's not that we're bad that there was no community uh, contribution. Just disappointed. It's fine. No, it isn't. We had so much to to contribute it's fine but yeah so that'll be the next game club alec and wake's american nightmare uh 
And before we move on to our first topic, I need to take a quick break. So we will be right back. After, after these messages. messages. <laughs> <laughs> I knew where you're going with that. Yep. <laughs> And we're back from those messages from our sponsor, and we have uh, took a scalpel to the topics list because our first... Um, I would say closer to a machete, not quite, but... Uh. <laughs> we, took, we took a hatchet to it. Um, but we kept our, our sort of our bigger and more important topics, and we are going to start with Player Unknown's Battlegrounds Executive contemplates further action over Fortnite's Battle Royale similarities. And fuck you. <clears throat> Excuse me, that was a weird noise that just came out of my body. <laughs> um, and this is different how? Yeah, fair point. Anyways, what this boils down to, you and I read it in two two different ways. You read it as them being incredibly petty and upset over the fact that Epic didn't ask their permission to use or to copy elements from yeah it's not game. even yeah it's not even uh, using assets or anything it's literally them making a battle royale game mode in fortnite and that's it right and, and they took it as an offense because the the develop it's not even the developer it's a executive for blue hole which is the company behind player unknown's battlegrounds because it's not player unknown it's oh it gets so weird whatever you have a, a person's name as part of a title doesn't it yes uh, but uh one of the lead uh, uh execs sees it as a breach of trust for them to use their uh to put a battle royale game out in the same engine that player notes battleground has never mind the fact that i think a lot of player known stuff uses the base unreal engine that what do you know it's epic stuff yeah how about that you bunch of uh conniving assholes see i didn't read it quite like that although when i went back and thought about it some more it Regardless, it still seems pretty, at the very least, dumb um, or ignorant the way that they're going about it because they're, you know, saying like, oh, we have this relationship with them and we use their engine and, you know, it's a breach of trust. But I would imagine, I don't know this to be certain, but I would imagine that in the contract that they signed to use the engine, there's a clause in there somewhere that says we as the developers of the Unreal Engine reserve the right to use anything that you create in our engine to, you know, improve it or whatever. Like, I feel like it would be stupid of them not to. So. Well, how about this? How about we just go to the press release? Okay. Or the initial press release, because I know that they did some clarifications, but, you know, that, that just makes, that's just them digging the hole deeper. See, we've had an ongoing, uh, I'm skipping some of the initial, you know, uh, lead into this. We've had an ongoing relationship with Epic Games throughout PubGus uh, development, as they are creators of the uh, Unreal 4 engine, the engine we are licensed for the game. After licensing the, uh, after licensing it to the growing feedback from our community and reviewing the gameplay for ourselves, we're concerned that Fortnite may be replicating the experience for which PUBG is known. 
Right. I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I, I haven't played Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I don't think you have either. No. But uh, it seems like a pretty vanilla uh, battle royale shooter. It doesn't seem like it. They really add a lot to the elements of it. Yeah, about the only thing that I can think of that separates uh, PUBG from previous or other games in this genre is the fact that the field of play shrinks as you go on. Uh, that's not new. Oh, okay. So then what game has used that before? Uh, well, I know that uh, the mod that they did for... Uh, that PlayerUnknown did for Arma 3 did that, which I know is still the same thing, but... Uh, I believe H1Z1's King of the Kill also has a uh, gas field that co- that closes in. Okay. So even that's not 100% new. So yeah, I mean, basically, PUBGo was right place, right time. Yeah, pretty much. It, so, well, it has the name recognition. That's the thing. Player unknown. Which, if you're in that circle, yeah, it was a big name for us. Unknown. <laughs> Our unknown is a spaceman. Not a player. Well, he is a player. He's a player. <laughs> player. Try to remember if he's dead in Rimworld. Eh, it doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. Well, we've uh, we have also noticed that Epic Games references PUBG in the promotion of Fortnite to their community and in communications with the uh, press. This was never disclosed with us, and it we don't feel that it's right. Now, what they've said is that we're fans of Player Nuts Battlegrounds. So they're saying that they're fans and wanted to uh, create a similar experience. If this is legal, is uh, actionable uh, wording, can you imagine the 90s uh, console wars? Sega does what the 10 don't? Yeah. Or well, just the bickering back and forth between uh, different big shooters? I mean, even in the modern era, though, there's so many games that are designed well, like, hey, we're fans of this. We were inspired by that. Or uh, how about, we're the Dark Souls of first-person shooters. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I realize that's a ridiculous uh, assessment, but it's the same general idea of using a, one game to kind of give an idea of the experience expected, even though, you know, Tarkus doesn't really make sense. But still, let's see, where was I? I'm, I'm kind of skipping it around on this because it's uh, kind of a just an interview and giving some... Uh, well, this is a pace bin that Total Biscuit did, and he has some notes. Uh, but I'm skipping those. Other companies will, of course, enter the marketplace... But I will just hope that they put their own spin on the game mode and not just make a carbon copy. Well, about that. Fortnite has building aspects in their game mode. Yours does not. So fuck you. <laughs> uh, that's uh, my editorial uh, comment, by the way. You don't say. Uh, let's see. The uh, the PUBG community has and continues to provide evidence are the many similarities that we that we will contemplate further action, and that's the end of this. Yeah, uh, it turns out it also has guns that come out of barrel or that has bullets that come out of barrels. I mean, it's a, a genre. 
and beyond that, you can't copyright a gameplay element or a genre. You can't not trademark it. Otherwise, we wouldn't see any platformers that aren't branded Nintendo. I realize Nintendo didn't create the platformer, but they were one of the first major ones that had a big platformer out. Yeah. It is ludicrous to think this way. Uh, I'm just dumbfounded by the sheer arrogance of this guy. Yeah, I'd say at best it's ignorant, and then at worst... I'm just At best, arrogance. ignorant, and worst, arrogant. And petty. I mean, uh, am I the only one that's reading this is they're pissed because they didn't get permission? I mean, I'm not necessarily, I'm not, I'm going, you know, like I said, I'm not reading it that way. I'm reading it as in they're ignorant of their own, like, contract and things like that. Like, they didn't read the fine print. But, I mean... What you're saying is absolutely one way to interpret it, and it's just, I don't know, our different personalities, maybe we've, that's why we've interpreted it the way that we have, but both of them are bad, so. Yeah, I'm I'm looking for the quote and the uh, clarification, because there's, they were upset that they didn't talk. Let's see. Uh, well, we would have subsequently uh, talked about details with uh, Epic Games, but. We haven't been uh, contacted by, uh, connected to their headquarters yet. So what I want to explain here is that PUBG might have really simple battle royale rules and systems, but we've seen that uh, Brendan's own idea, player unknown, uh, and that game mode in PUBG belongs to uh, Brendan. So, yeah, right there. You know that Daybreak Games uh, actually licensed this idea and worked with him to develop the game mode. Okay, well, what about the calling? That's another battle royale mode that did pretty much the same thing. Did they license it from him as well? I mean, there's a difference between having someone as a consultant and claiming that he that someone owns the idea completely. Oh, this just angers me, as you may be able to tell. I noticed. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I I was wanting to make sure that came through. Definitely did. Promise. Okay. Let's well, see. As... Uh, uh, well, well, here. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Here. It is. So uh, this is uh, from PC Gamer. So you know, nice softball questions from them. So you think? So what I think I'm hearing is that you would like Epic to license their battle royale from you. Is that what I'm hearing? The exact. What I think is that they should have come to us before making it and had a discussion with us. So tell me how that is not being petty about we didn't hear from you before you announced this. Well, I mean, like I said, they might just be thinking like they didn't read their contract properly. They didn't like didn't know that that they could take those things and use them. Like maybe they thought that because they were contracting the engine that that they weren't going to make a game about it. I mean. Like I said, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just am approaching it more from the ignorance angle. Like, they just didn't understand. And so they spoke stupidly from a position of ignorance, which does not excuse the behavior. Yeah, but, but they've continued to uh, uh, speak from a position of uh, just stupidity. So, Well, now they're now they're going from the, well, we can't admit that we were wrong, that so many 
companies, people. Yeah, now they're continuing to dig. Yeah. They start digging, so they're just going to keep going. Uh, it, and here's the funny thing. Here, here, Here's the funny thing. Is that I don't think anyone really paid attention to Fortnite's game mode until they made a huge fuss about it. Yeah. Because a lot of people are just ignoring Fortnite. Uh, uh, Fortnite has a lot of design... I wouldn't say problems, but uh, some uh, a lot of bloat in their design from everything that I've read. And a lot of people were just writing off Fortnite, but now, oh boy, uh, does it get a lot of press. Actually, I'm going to check uh, what Fortnite's player numbers are before we uh, head out, because it would be interesting to see if they got a huge jump. Let's see, Steam charts. And I'm not getting Fortnite up. Oh, what, how's that spelled exactly? Uh, topics list. Fortnite. F-O-R-T-N-I-T-E. No spaces. Ah, it's one of those. Actually, I'm not seeing it on Steam charts. That's weird. That is because it's not on Steam. Oh. For some reason, I was thinking it was on Steam. I don't know why I was thinking it was on Steam. I know it's... I know I saw it on Keymail, so that's usually Steam stuff. Occasionally, non-Steam stuff pops up on there. It kind of screws with me. <laughs> yeah, you uh, have to get it from their website. I also think it's for consoles. Yeah, I know that they had a thing recently where they accidentally had a uh, cross-play uh, between the different consoles <laughs> for a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I saw it on Keymail and just assumed that was on Steam for some reason. Because I know it was on there at some point. You might be able to get it from the Windows Store. That might explain. Well, also, but it would be console, because you can get Xbox and PlayStation games from yeah. Key Mailer. I saw my first Nintendo Switch game on there today when I was browsing through. <laughs> yeah, you can see why I was a little screwed up with that then, huh? Yeah. Because I know I saw it on there at some point. But I'm not seeing anything about player numbers, which I would love to know you know, if they saw a huge boost. It does say that they saw a 500,000 uh, copies sold in their first day of early access, but yeah, who knows what that means. Uh, if if it's just on one particular console or another, I mean, what their player numbers are like on PC. Yeah. So, uh, Blue Hole, fuck you. Uh, I think we're done there. Fair enough. All right, on to our next news topic. Fake games removed from Steam as Valve fights back. Yeah, oh boy, has Steam Direct been a mistake for Valve, huh? Yeah, they took somewhere between 150 and 200 games off of Steam. The, what was it? Uh, was it Kotaku? Or? Uh, Polygon, uh, actually. Polygon. This, which, the Polygon uh, article says 200. The Tech Raptor says more than 150. Uh, so. Well, the well, the thing is that uh, this uh, company that uh, is uh, behind all of it, they use a lot of different accounts to kind of break up their empire. And there's some interesting stuff here. Uh, uh, Sid Alpha actually has a video on it, which I'll have to dig up for the show notes. Uh, he goes pretty in-depth on uh, finding these different uh, companies and showing the stellar work that <laughs> they do. They're all pretty much just asset flips. I mean, there's nothing of value really lost here unless you're wanting a bunch of trading cards, of course, because that's really where they're going with this. 
And there was a story a couple of weeks ago where Valve was limiting the amount of keys that certain developers were able to claim for, you know, off Steam purchases. Because, you know, those uh, packs that you get 100 games for a dollar? That's what yeah. uh, a lot of this was fueling. Yep, I've uh, I bought a couple of those packs myself. You naughty boy. Yeah, I am. I'm not falling for spanking you, though. I don't care how naughty you are. <laughs> oh man. I mean, there's not a terrible amount to talk about here. It's more just really Steam Direct is opened up a can of worms that I don't think Valve really imagined was going to happen. Yeah, just, just they, the sheer number of asset flips out there. I, I've seen the same, a handful of sprites. I would say a half a dozen times on a single uh, page of uh, the Steam Store. Yeah. Just, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was gonna say it is nice though to see Valve actually doing something. They need to do a lot more, and hopefully this is more than just yeah. All right, we'll do something so that people won't bitch at us. But well, I wonder I, if. Uh, a lot of this isn't because they're asset flips or they're fake games, which uh, I don't really like the term fake games, mostly because it's too close to fake news and that just drives me absolutely batshit insane. I'm, I'm okay. But uh, uh, the idea that uh, that this company it was breaking up their empire on various sock puppet accounts and making it look like Okay, this developer is making uh, you know, two dozen of the same puzzle game over and over again, only you know, reworking the puzzle. So, you know, the Sudoku uh, games are slightly different. Uh, and this one is all the peg uh, puzzle games. And yes, I have seen the, you know, the little like cracker barrel, you know, uh, tr- triangle things that you have all the golf tees in. I've seen uh, uh, several of those popping up now. Yeah. Compelling video gaming compelling incredibly compelling just i wonder if they're going to start going after some of these uh like achievement farmers i'm not sure if that's caught in this list or not but uh i don't know is there a full list up somewhere uh i haven't seen a full list but you know if we just search achievement hunter i'm sure we could uh, find out if it's still on the store page can do oh they're still there okay i mean damn there, oh, I'm just shocked that this hasn't been hit yet. There's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's thirteen of them already released, and each one yeah. of them are just spams achievements. You know, I gotta think that if if Valve would actually employ a lot more curation, like real people, this would be less of a problem. But they refuse to do it, so. We're just going to have to keep dealing with the, the flood, the, the cavalcade of shit. I mean, hell, just have an intern that uh, looks at things as they come out. It's like, huh, that looks like the same assets I've seen uh, 20 times today. Yeah. And also, well, I was talking about it on Twitter. That there should be some sort of rule that you know, certain colors shouldn't be used as backgrounds, particularly anything in the neon area of the color wheel. Oh, but those are where all the best colors are. Yeah, they're the last <laughs> ones you ever see. Fair enough. I've seen I've seen some of these asset flips just uh, have neon pink with uh, a neon green uh, foreground, 
I think they're trying to hide the fact that they're all asset flips by, you know, just, well, I can't, you can't see if they're an asset flip if you can't see, right? Yeah. That might be, that might be a thing. But yeah, this is going to be an ongoing thing for Valve as they try to figure out what they just released. <laughs> oh, Valve, uh, Valve, what are you doing? Outside of not developing games anymore? You're drunk, Valve. Go home. <laughs> oh, So, shall we uh, get to our last little mini-news topic? Indeed. Warner Brothers backpedals from its charity kerfuffle. I still like Fluffle. Clusterfuck better. I Yeah, but I don't want to put Clusterfuck in the topic list. Like, the word. Oh. Put this, we'll put the swearing, or we'll leave the swearing in the show. Not yeah, because you're way too lazy to try to censor me. Yeah. <laughs> Free speech, man. Free speech. Woo, America! So, basically, this is just an announcement that Warner Brothers made that they're walking back all of the previous everything that has to do with this Fort Hog Orc Slayer or whatever his character name is deal. Yeah, they're um, making a free DLC. <clears throat> they're giving a, a, a chunk of money to the family. And th- really, this should have been how it was before. I agree. Uh, and they were quickly trying to throw uh, one of their employees under the bus saying, well, he misspoke. And he didn't want to say it this way because uh, it would uh, have uh, problems with marketing and uh, the over 200 territories. And they gave the specific number. <laughs> uh uh, and you can't advertise charity. This, I mean, just shut up. Really, it's just a lot of bullshit to keep them from saying. You know what? We tried to profit off of this man's death, and everyone called us out on it. So we're just not going to do that. I mean, like, I mean, that's if, all that this is. I mean, even if there was a miscommunication and they were uh, not wanting to advertise the fact that it was a charity DLC, which, yeah. There should be a way to do that uh, pretty blanketly. I don't think that it's going to be that big an issue. But then again, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV. <laughs> uh, then have some sort of general press release and just leave it on the Steam and have the Steam stores re- uh, reflect what it should be in those different territories. Yeah, but leaving it for about a month is just <laughs> stupid. Oh, and also they said they would refund everyone's money that already pre-ordered it. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's well, what well, this Brothers should have been, been back- from the beginning. Yeah, and Warner Brothers has been backpedaling and trying to do damage control like crazy lately. They also had the uh, a art- or an interview about the loot crates, but didn't put it on the topic list, mostly because it's, uh, you yeah, know, just PR spin trying to sidestep all the uh, actual questions and say well you don't have to buy it yeah yeah and the same thing applies to their game in general and guess what we're not buying it at least not until it goes deeply discounted maybe well I'm gonna say until it ends up in a bundle when they're advertising their next game because that's usually how these things go with Warner Brothers yeah they also put a link to you caring, yeah, uh, which is like a yeah, a that's the family's crowd- uh, 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 essentially Patreon. Yeah, 
so far they've received one hundred and thirty three thousand six hundred eighty seven dollars. Yeah, and I know a lot of people support. were uh, were giving money to the family directly instead of buying the DLC, which is perfectly fine by me. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have no idea how much money Warner Brothers is actually going to give the family. Yeah, but... they're being very tight-lipped about that, and probably for the best because, yeah, and there's a lot of people that are on both sides of the debate here saying that it was a lot of uh, brouhaha for nothing, and I really disagree with that. Just with they could have come out and said it and cleared up a lot of issues, but they left it and left it to fester. Yep, they and left that's, it. That's where and, the real problem is. And they danced around it and, you know, all this other stuff. And it's like, just just be upfront and honest about things. Or it, just do shit properly at the start. There, there was a headline on uh, Polygon that I saw on r slash uh, gaming. Uh, I didn't put it on the topic list, but it could be uh, an interesting discussion at some point. <clears throat> is that they... Uh, they were talking about developers don't want to be transparent with gamers because of the toxicity of gamers. And, oh, I have so many problems with that. Particularly with how the game's media uh, plays up a lot of things to begin with. We may be part of the problem on that one, but still. Uh, The fact that all the toxicity and all the uh, outrage doesn't exist by itself. You know, there's something stirring it. And guess where the problem tends to lie? You know, all the hype, all the uh, pushing for pre-orders, all the pushing for DLC, all the pushing for loot boxes now. Yeah. And I think it's uh, coming to a head. And uh, Jared, uh, Jared uh, calm down. I don't mean like that. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I, I know what you mean. Oh. So, are we done with topics? I think so, which means that it's time to move on to our community corner, which we only have some responses to the question of the week, right? Yeah, yeah because we're being disappointed this week. I was so sure we were going to get emails. We are completely sure that the email address is working, right? I think so. Well, yeah, at gmail.com. Yep, we receive emails from other stuff. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Hello, is anyone out there? <laughs> Marco? Polo. Anyway, question of the week. And I didn't update my question of the week, which is it is irritating. So I'm going to have to go grab that from Twitter. I think I saved over my file accidentally. But good thing I could just go grab it directly off TweetDeck. <clears throat> so, question of the week is... What level of competence do you expect from a game journalist reviewing a game? And Jim chimed in. (laughs) Because, you know, he's not going to be tough on this at all. They need the average level of confidence and should know the genre. That's the value add that journalists are providing. Any idiot could do a Let's Play. Hey, wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise... It's like reviewing a car if you just got a driver's license or reviewing a 4x4 if you've never driven off-road. And we actually had someone else chime in. Understands Law chimed in and said, only a driver needs a driver's license. (laughs) I wonder if that's a bot. I'm not sure. 
I mean, I looked at his uh, account and I can't, t- it's one of those things I can't tell. There's a lot of retweets. There's a lot of, but there's also a lot of sarcastic quotes and of course a lot of Trump support. So, but it's one of those things that <clears throat> you're technically correct, but understands law doesn't understand question of the week. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's not called Understands Question of the Week. He's called Understands Law, so. Yeah, yeah he's well, got you on well, that one. Yeah, well, uh, Understand Law, golf driver. Do you need a license for that? No, I think not. <laughs> Checkmate. Checkmate, atheists. <laughs> now go eat your babies in your caves. Yeah, but uh, assuming that the email works, you can email us bgopodcast at gbl.com with your, hopefully, Polos. <laughs> or, you know, anything else that you, you know, wish us to read out. Or you can just tweet us, BGL Podcast, at Twitter, with the question of the week also appears sometimes uh, on Friday. Awesome. Well, then let's move on to our Steam Discovery queue. Oh, we still have time for it. Yeah, let's, let's just go ahead and do it. Yeah. I mean, it's not a... a a VGL podcast without music. Nope. And also, I mean, we'll get through this. I'll, I'll still probably make it in bed by 1.30, 1.45. I'll live. I'll just drink extra coffee tomorrow. All right. Right off the bat, I have a... <laughs> I have a good one. Eliza Seduce the Innkeeper. This I signed like a... up a, a, for a review copy of that. I haven't gone it, but... This... It looks yeah. terrible. <laughs> it looks terrible, but in the kind of terrible way that I love when I want to play something schlocky. So, yeah. The player doesn't impersonate a simple man, but a powerful, rich, and famous nobleman who seems to be able to obtain whatever he wishes for. But will it be enough this time? And there's definitely a focus on the anime boobies. And I see why you're in for it. Well, <laughs> I, got, I got a third-person stealth shooter called Echo. It looks very, very interesting. It's at the sort of the double A range uh, price range. <clears throat> I'm, I have no idea uh, about this game in general, though. But it looks interesting. It looks like it's highly rated. And uh, sorry, no anime boobies. So, I, well, there goes Jared's uh, attention span. Yeah, looks like it just came out as well. So, ooh, Valnir Rock. Valnay Rock is a multiplayer survival role-playing game eh? in a Viking setting. Yes, Vikings. I love Vikings. I'm in. This is early access, of course. It is. I mean, you drop the link. I'm passing up on uh, some uh, small shooters because, yeah. All right, here we go. This one uh, has my name all over it, or at least half of it. Is it the caffeine part or the rage part? Fight and rage. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I got super fancy pants. I'm just going to skip past that. A uh, retro uh, 90s style beat em up. It actually looks very good. I'm going to add that to my wish list. I'm not a huge beat em up fan, but you know, sometimes I'm in the mood for it. It has a CRT uh, uh, simulation style uh, right down to the scan lines, which isn't that hard to do, but it's a nice touch. Huh. Not- yeah, definitely uh, worth checking out if you're a fan of beat-em-ups. So I got another... I think this is shaping up to be a good week for me so far on the Discovery Key front. Mutant Football League. 
this looks like, um, shoot, what's the fantasy turn-based football? Blood Bowl. Yeah, this looks kind of like Blood Bowl, only real time. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty I, sure that there the was trailer. a. I'm pretty sure there was a mutant uh, football league back in the day. All right, so this may be a remake. Yeah, it's, this is real time. Uh, yeah, the first review says that it's a remake. Still, it looks really, really good. Like this is the kind of sports that I would be into. I'll put yeah, that I'm on not, my wish list. I'm not getting a lot of good stuff. I'm getting some decent enough stuff, but it's yeah, not something I want to put on. Right. Yeah, it doesn't look good, whatever it is. Ooh, I've I've heard some stuff about this one. The first tree. Here, I'll drop a, a link for you. A very artistically uh, impressive game. Uh, it's uh, very uh, cel-shaded, I guess it would be the proper term for it. Uh, cel-shaded slash uh, low polygon. A third-person exploration uh, game centered around two parallel stories, a fox trying to find her missing family and a son reconnecting with his estranged farmer, father in, Austra- in Alaska. Uh, not Australia, Alaska. Two completely different places. So, sort of an open-world story game. Interesting. I, I would imagine... Uh, well, not quite Walking Sim, because there are gameplay elements. It's... I'm impressed by the visuals, at least. I have heard that this is terrible. I think it was on the co-optional podcast where they talked about it, but basically it's a, pretty I, but boring. I probably haven't heard, I probably haven't heard that episode of the co-optional. It's rated very highly, so maybe it's one of those you know, certain uh, things that will click with people. Yeah. So I got another one. Uh, Industries of Titan. Create a sprawling industrial city, complete with other great houses of, or compete with the other great houses of Titan for resources, territory, and power. And it looks like a some sort of like grand strategy game mixed with like a tycoon style game, kind of like what's the like Mars, whatever, where that you're like a, a businessman and you don't like directly attack other people, but you you know can like hire pirates or whatever to come and disrupt the, the other people's businesses. It looks neat. Right up my alley. It's a good it's a good week for me. Yeah, my I've got, week what, wasn't, four games on already? Yeah, my week wasn't that great. I'm already done. Okay, I've got... Well, well I was kind of stretching with the first tree because I don't really know about it. I've heard things about it. I've heard people praising it. I've heard people well, obviously dissing it now. So it's right. really... Uh, I guess it's a niche game. Which Is it, is it such a bad thing? That is the uh, plus side of Steam Direct, is that it does allow more niche games, but the problem is finding them in all the shit. So, okay, so here's another anime oh, movies god. game. Tricolor Love Story. Oh, god. I'm getting the link for you. Like, the, the trailer for it focuses absolutely on the anime movies. And it's super cheap, too. Just like you like them. It's like... I went away from the page. What is it? A one dollar and nineteen cents. I'm absolutely buying that literally I mean, hell, right now. I mean, hell, it's two bucks normally. Add to cart. I would buy that. Oh, I might buy Eliza Seduce the Innkeeper too, because that's only six bucks. I mean, that's slightly out of my impulse buy range, but for a schlocky visual novel game that's got anime boobies in it, that's that's pretty good. That's what I paid for like the Sakura games. 
well, according to this, this has one hell of a script to it. Uh, a billion word script. Granted, uh, a lot of the, uh, the screenshots are in, I'm assuming that's Japanese. Yeah. I'm buying both of these games. I'm, I went back and opened up Eliza Seuss the Innkeeper. I'm gonna, I have one game left on my Discovery queue. Jared, uh, I'm, I'm expecting a re full review. That's a lot of visual novel to play through, but I will do my best, sir. I'm talking about uh, Seduce the Innkeeper. It can't be that long. I mean, how long can you last? A while, my friend. A uh, while. Okay, it looks like it's Chinese, not Japanese. There's only a handful of reviews for this. I'm, I'm on the visual novel database for this. <clears throat> Well, while you look for that, I've got my last game pulled up here, and it also looks like a good one. Ancient Frontier. Uh, it's a sci-fi turn-based strategy ship combat game with, looks like some light strategy, like, management type stuff to it. I'm all about that sort of thing. This, uh, you know, this actually doesn't look all that terrible. Uh, uh, tri uh Tricolor Love Story. Granted, so... Damn, did you go to the forums? Yeah, no. What are the... The Steam forums for yeah, Tricolor Love Story? Yeah, it's pretty much all Chinese. Let's see here. Looks like there's some translation issues, but... It doesn't actually sound all that bad. Oh, jeez, this whole thing is Chinese. Well, not the whole thing, but almost yeah, all of it. The one thing... One... No, sorry. Two threads on the front page is Chinese. <laughs> I am... Yeah, I'm definitely... Definitely uh, buying I'm, these two games. Tricolor uh, Love may, Story. I may pick up uh, Tricolor Love Story to try out. Or do you... To... Do you want to play it, Rage? It's a dollar and 19 cents. I'll buy that for you. Or a dollar... Whatever. Oh, I gotta sign into Steam because I'm on the web browser. Like I mean, how if you're purchase. gonna save me the uh, the buck nineteen? Sure, I'll buy it for you. Oh, where's my where's my Steam thing? I need to sign in. Dang it! I mean, like I said, it doesn't actually look that bad. It doesn't look like what you would expect it to be, just at the price point, which we're is changing. which is which is shocking. We're we're changing the game club for October. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing. We're not doing that. I'm joking. But no, this is November. Actually, you... we do need to start discussing November anyway. And I am joking about that. All right. So I bought those for myself. Now let me go back over here. I, I, I I'm scared of what you're going to say in this though. <laughs> Add to cart. Oh boy. Purchases gift. Uh, caffeine rage continue recipient's first name uh, of course actually I know your real first name gift message ta-da oh, best wow. witches my signature <laughs> can you guess what my signature is going to be uh, let's see X's and O's that's what it usually is but <laughs> you get a rocket ship <laughs> oh. <laughs> there you go well discovery cues worked for once <laughs> I just yeah I just spent ten dollars me that copy you won and then I also bought Eliza seduce the innkeeper 
I'll report back on these games. See, this I, is a, I don't want, a, I don't want to play it now, but uh, we'll download it. This was this was a good, good, good discovery queue. I approve. I had one, two, three, four, five. I had six games. I had a fifty percent success rate on my discovery queue. Yeah, usually just, it's me that's a, a a cheap slut on these. Well, in general, I've like done so many. Maybe it's finally like the, I've kind of gotten back into a good rhythm with discovery cues because i've said this or, before like i used to just like do discovery cues constantly so that i had done every single thing that was on steam but now that we only do it once a week I and also been... uh yeah releases are catching up with us because this released uh or track color love story released only seven days ago a week ago this was uh this is a secure game though so but it does look like it's one of the probably the better one story wise. But I just went to install it. it's a three gig visual novel. Holy shit! That is massive. Yeah, I was expecting you know, uh, you know start it up and you know uh, be done in a minute or two. Well, granted, it's still not going to be that long. But disk uh, space required three thousand forty five megabytes, right at three gigs. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. That, that is that's fucking massive for a visual novel. And, <laughs> unless all the music of, is in wave format, I'm gonna be spending a lot of time sitting in the recliner over the next week streaming these from my main machine. Because well, I, I was actually planning on. Uh, I was actually planning on streaming uh, uh, if my heart had wings and start going through another story. Yeah. I was gonna just install these on my laptop, but Tricolor Love Story being three gigs, I have just a teeny tiny SSD in my laptop. Elisa Seduce the Innkeeper is more what I was expecting. It's 600 <laughs> megabytes. Well, uh, that was it's a it's a it's a surprising episode this week. Indeed, we had a surprise with Cross Out. Uh, actually, two surprises. One, we liked it a hell of a lot more than we were expecting, and we were expecting to like it. And we ended up talking about, what, twice as long? Three yeah. times as long? Yeah. And then we had this. And thank you for the gift. You're welcome. It's been a, it's been a good, good recording. But and it is time to start to end it. So, what's going on with you? Indeed. So the part of the podcast where I go first. If you want to find my stuff on YouTube, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist. And the stuff that you're going to find this week is a new episode. Actually, two new episodes. I I went ahead and already had them scheduled, so I just left them. But until I can get ahead, I'm only going to do from now on one episode a week of VGLcom. But by the time this goes live, uh, episodes three and four will have released. Three is already out as we record this, and four releases on Thursday. So if you want to come watch the wacky adventures of your commander and your friends, then that's the place to do it. There has been another death from the my created characters, but it's no one that listens to the podcast. It's just one of the ones that I created from people that I know in my life. So if you follow me on Twitter, you saw I posted the screenshot of his, um, his postmortem. It was very sad. He did so good that mission too. His name is Anders, and Anders got like five melee kills that mission as a one of the melee characters, but he just couldn't he just couldn't make it. He even got out of a couple of sticky situations that I thought that he was going to be okay, but nope. In the end, he didn't make it. I carried his body out though. No bodies left behind. At least no more bodies. I think it was episode three where I left a body behind. Whoops. Yep. 
It's a sad day. But you're still alive in that game. The only the only VGL person that has died has been uh, Cube, which is unfortunate because I really wanted him to be really wanted him to be my first sniper, but alas, well, didn't make he, it. Well, simple. You just uh, give it to uh, your uncle because sniping is a good job. Hey, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, wait, 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 wait. We don't give it to your uncle. We give it to Hidden Relic. <laughs> that would be one for Relic. I I never assigned him a class. Well, so. no, 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 no. The the sniper is actually a New Zealander. He's a Kiwi. Oh, good point. Good point. I yeah, could do that. Yeah, we're getting deep into TF2 lore. Uh, yeah, in the world of TF2, as crazy as it is, uh, New Zealand is a bunch of uh, super geniuses who sunk their island... Uh, down into the uh, Pacific to escape the crazy Australianers. <laughs> and then one guy decided that the world was ending and launched a rocket. But um, he failed to account for the whole bubble above the city. Smooth. I love how that this is me talking about my stuff and we're Sorry. not talking about TF2 lore. <laughs> it's fine. It's well, fine. I was giving you ideas for Hidden Relic. Yeah, well, Relic Relic is not in my current game. Like, he just hasn't been spawned in. I can't remember if I've got your uncle or not, but he's designated as an assault class. So he he's, like, being an Aussie, I dressed him up like a, a Mad Max-style character with, like, a crazy, like, face mask <laughs> and stuff and, like, weird spiky pauldrons. So he's an assault class. Well, to be fair, Australian-American uh, uh, culture is either Mad Max or Paul Hogan. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the well, main thing that's on my channel. Now. There's also uh, Divinity Original Sin. I need to do render out the rest of the episodes and get them posted. Because, I mean, as I tend to do, I fall behind. And then we'll do a dump and then fall behind. I think the last episode that I have posted is 54? Maybe 53. Um, but I'll I'll put some more of those up. It's about time that I do another big render day. I intended to do that this weekend, actually, but craziness happened, so I didn't get it done. Yeah, uh, our next that's... episode would be uh, episode 60. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit behind. Uh, but that's it for coming up on my YouTube channel for now. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see all of the things that I tweet about all of the various things, you can do so by following me at JMA4707. I've actually been a little bit less political than usual the last few days, although... The last few days, I haven't really posted very many tweets, so it's kind of hard to be political if you don't post tweets, but they will be there. They will be there. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. And if you want to be friends with me on Steam, you can send a friend request to jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests from the lovely, lovely people that listen to the show. I made a new friend this past week, and we had a discussion about... What did we talk about? We talked about a lot of things. We talked about some psychology stuff. We talked about some politics stuff. And we talked about movies. So, Trying I am to figure up. out what the fuck is wrong with me. <laughs> I am up for whatever you guys are up for. Oh, my. Well, if you wish to add up on Steam and want to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is squeegee. <laughs> Squeegee. Ah, that's good. It's a good one. 
<laughs> yes, squeegee. Squeegee. Just something about the word, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's comedic. I'm down. You accept this. <laughs> Indeed. Well, well, you don't exactly have a choice in this matter, but still. Well, I guess you could edit it out, but that, that would be a dick move. It would okay. be. And, and you're not blue hole. <laughs> what about you? What's coming up on your channel and where can they find your stuff? Uh, well, my channel is in a complete state of disarray. Wasn't able to record Divinity, uh, so that's off the table for now because we weren't ahead. Of, and we're actually, at, we weren't planning on getting ahead this last weekend. <laughs> that's the... With the funny and the sad part of it. And as I said before, Van Housing broke completely. So that is off the table because I was only an episode ahead on that when I went to record. And yeah, I pretty much posted that, went to record, or I scheduled my last episode of Van Housing, went to record more. Oh, the game's broken. Huh. Well. That's going to throw a wrench into things. So I'm in experimental mode, and I pretty much have the choosing done already. It's just, it's very, very, very different from what I've uh, done before. And I'd be shocked if you're able to figure it out. (laughs) I mean, I usually can never figure it out anyway, so. (laughs) Okay, well, here, I'll narrow it down. It is a game that is not in my Steam library. That really doesn't help me all that much because, I mean, we joke about you having a big fucking Steam library, which you do, but there's still several thousand games which are not in your Steam library. Can okay, I have like a okay. genre hint or something? Alright, genre hint. If this game were to be released today, it would be called a roguelike. A roguelite, I should say. So that tells you both the genre and it's an older game. Yes. Or, okay, okay, I'll help you out even more. A roguelite city builder. Okay. And I could just hear the, huh? Yeah. (laughs) That's if it was released today. I'd be surprised if anybody knows this before I release the first episode. I'm planning on next week. Uh, maybe later in the week just to fuck with Jared some more. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, because I know you like it when I fuck with you. Yeah, I do. So that leaves really just RimWorld, which I need to go record more of. I'm actually out of those episodes as well because I was scrambling trying to uh, do final testing on my uh, new project. And also... After having, well, you uh, not be able to record and just Van Helsing falling apart, I just didn't want to uh, test my luck. (laughs) I I know that sounds like me throwing you under the bus, but I was, uh, and I'm definitely not because I I was the one to actually push it for you not to record when you weren't feeling all that well. Because I care about you. Granted, I'll still pick on you, but that's uh, beside the point. That's just who I am. Thanks. Uh, but besides RimWorld, I am still planning on having the Sunday Sampler. We, hopefully, there uh, we'll get the streak back of me giving those blue thumbs up because I do like liking games. It's just I'm a very negative critic, and it's a lot easier to say, "Well, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, and this sucks, and everything else is all right," instead of saying, 
well, this is peachy keen. This is awesome. This is amazing. Because honestly, hearing praise over and over and over again, sound, it gets boring. And I could be mean in creative ways. Yep, You're, fair enough. <laughs> and I'm not, sure if I'm, I'm not sure if you, I, I want you to dispute that or not. And you can find that over at Gaming with Caffeine Rage on YouTube, which also hosts this podcast on Fridays at noon. Or if you wish to t- see me tweet about uh, remembering when cheat codes were not just the pin on your credit card, you find me over at Gaming of CR on Twitter. And once again, our email address, if you wish to email us and let us know you're, well, you're still out there. Hello? Hello, McFly? You find us at VGLBodcast at gmail.com on, well, on gmail or you can just tweet us btl podcast on twitter if you're still alive and wish to help us pay for this you find our patreon campaign patreon.com slash vgl podcast that helps uh support the podcast and all our expenses and maybe the creation of the gilded bird trophy to send to dickish developers (laughs) (laughs) i i i'm kind of tempted to do that now you know I wonder how much it yeah. is to get a, a brass uh, just middle finger. Hmm. Uh, our website where you can find the show notes and the RSS feed for this absolute madness if you're not listening to us through that already is vglpodcast.podbean.com or you just find us on Google uh, uh, Google Play, iTunes, or who knows where else. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod and our Discovery Cube music is doobly doo by the same artist. You can find his work at computech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye.